1: We've got the NFL show. Yeah, Evan Swords, uh, 49ers Hub, and J.P. Acosta of SB Nation talking all things NFL. We did a deep dive into the current NFC North hierarchy. Where does it stand? It's the most open it's been in a really, really long time. Packers, Lions, Bears, all that more coming up um, with the NFC North here with J.P. and Evan. We also talk about C.J. Stroud's rookie of the year options. And then the best running back rooms in the NFL as they stand right now, all that more with JP and Evan on this Tuesday edition of the pod. We've also got front of the Pod, Dog Central's Graham Coffee. He stopped by to talk all things, Vols and Dogs, and where these two programs are, these two rivalries are at this point in time. Dylan Riola committing to Georgia, what that means, uh hypel uh surprising Graham a little bit with the recruiting acumen and what Tennessee's done at the NIL front. Um, and then Hooker, we talk about Nico and how Nico changes uh, the long-term calculus of Tennessee. Um, Gunner Stockton, Carson Beck, Mike Bobo, Todd Monken, and then the next guys, the next dudes in the UJ recruiting front um, who are going to pop in. So there's uh Lawson Lucky. We got Dylan Bell who might break out for the dog. So uh, all that and more coming up on this loaded Tuesday edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. So. Thank you, as always, for checking out the pod. If you're new, make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player so you never miss an episode of this daily program. And of course, if you're already subscribed but have not already, please, please, please leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or however you get your podcast. It helps other people find the show and it helps this very show continue to grow. So take care of that before we get started here today. I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, Yeah. All right. Uncle Darren, let's go.
0: Chase Thomas
1: podcast.
0: The Chase Thomas
1: podcast. Um, My nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, coming to you live from everything School HQ, Knoxville, Tennessee. Also here, my good friend out there in Los Angeles, California, Mister Evan Swords. Evan, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm good for all the YouTube listeners. Shout out to this one singular zit
0: that I have on my forehead. Nothing else. Just it. Hanging out. Kind of aggressive.
1: Hey, I, uh, I'm i going through the same thing. I had a pimple patch on like right below. Um, I live a couple centimeters down there and it's just my wife put me on those and she just it's it's a way to keep my wife from popping pimples because yeah. uh, you'll find when you I don't know if your girlfriend's like that, Evan. So but, the
0: first thing that I do. Yeah. Uh, immediately. Yeah. I have no, I have no discipline. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- not a very important storyline, but for me, who's staring at a reflection of my face, mm-hmm. it's the only thing I'm going to be able to think of this entire podcast.
1: You're okay, man. I'll be okay. Yeah.
0: I'll figure it out. You're fine. It might be a little painful, but it'll be all I right. I mean, we'll get there. JP, my man, how you doing? No pimples or zits, but the vibes are high. The vibe- <laughs> Yeah. The vibes is still high.
3: I, I gotta hmm.
0: say, is the hat like an anti Ron DeSantis stance? Are you pro 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 Disney, pro Mickey? Or are you just
3: like I live in Florida, I got a Mickey hat. That was I got. I live in Florida. I got a. I got to get a. Mickey hat. We, it was like one of the that. first things I got when I moved to Orlando. Went to downtown Disney once, and I was like, I guess I got to get a hat now.
1: Did you go to the place that they're closing that Star Wars exhibit um, oh, or hotel hell. or whatever that is? or were
3: Oh, absolutely not. Okay, and the reason why is not because it didn't look cool. It was because it was like five thousand dollars for two nights. Was it really? That's why it's closing. It was too damn expensive.
0: That anyway, was the where we go. Yeah, they went out of their way to try and make this this like uber luxurious
3: thing.
1: Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't get it.
3: Like this interactive, like you were supposed to be immersed in the Star Wars universe. And, like, it's, like, a choose-your-own-adventure, but, like, in real life. But you can't just, like, charge people $5,000 just to stay for two nights for, like, a boarding school. It's dark.
1: That's tough, man. And you're already, like, parents are already stressed, you know, taking their kids down there. It's a whole experience. And then you're, like, when it's that expensive, you're already going to be kind of in a bad mood because you're, like, this doesn't feel like $2,500 worth. And, like, every, you're just going to be thinking about is it my maximizing my time here uh, because this is quite expensive. Yeah, that's a 2500 a night for a Star Wars thing in Orlando. That's, that's a tough like, sell.
3: You're not, you're not supposed to go to any of the other parks because yeah. the entire experience is supposed to be on this galactic star cruiser.
0: But no one wants feel, to do
1: that. People want to bounce around parks. They want to go see different things. Yeah, I feel like that's work. a very specific
0: yeah. person that's yeah. going to go to that. And they're not probably even in Orlando. They're probably flying from you know around the
3: country yeah and like they have to have like this is the, the Gladys star cruiser was for people without children <laughs> that, that's the only way you'd have shout a,
0: out to us you know, mm-hmm.
3: shout out to us That that's the only way you'd be able to actually like be able to do that without having any headaches dog i have
0: no kids and i make
3: a, I, I do well
0: for, for an idiot like myself with no college degree. And every time I look at the prices of Disney, I'm just like, who does, like, who's this for? Hmm. Like, who is out there spending $180 a day per person? Like, at minimum.
1: Well, you know, it's really like, my parents never took me. I think I told you all this on this podcast. I never actually had been to Disney World. It was never. It was never on my agenda, but my wife is a big Disney person, and like she's dragging. I think I have to go see the new Little Mermaid movie in a couple of weeks. Like, I, oh, I, I, they're
0: so terrible! All they the don't look at like ones. the remit,
1: the reboots—they just never end. Is everything just going to keep like? Are, is Fox and the Hound going to come out like, next year? Are we going to you know, get Aladdin Part Seven? Are we just going to keep? we going to keep would, doing it this. It would be one thing if they were
0: doing it for like pure intentions of wanting to like bring back the story, but it's literally a legal thing. They have to cr- have to make a movie to keep the copyrights. Oh. It's the
3: only reason they're doing it.
1: I didn't know that. Of course, yeah.
3: like it's cool to like revamp the IP of The Little Mermaid after it came out in like the 90s because yeah. like, my little sister has never like my baby sister has never seen the Little Mermaid. She's four. This hmm. is gonna be a cool experience for her. yeah. yeah. I'm probably gonna watch because it has a black Little Mermaid. That rock. Yeah. yeah that was the I'm only thing that actually too. like I liked. I was like, I love this. Yeah, I'm not going to go watch opening day, but like, yeah, give, it, give it a few days or something. I'm like, oh, I'll be there. You
0: know what I thought was really funny too is like, uh, I don't know what this nerd geek podcast did a whole thing about how DC is just making every redhead like now is black, like a redhead character in animation is now they just do use a black character. Um, and I was like, that's the same, they're following the same suit as DC, but I love it because she looks incredible as as uh ariel it was like i'm um, I, I that might be one of the only movies that i actually see because i never saw the original little mermaid i never i didn't i didn't go watch lion king that came out well
1: you never uh, saw Aladdin. lion
0: king no no i saw all the animated movies oh course. okay okay but
3: i'm not gonna go watch the live action no
0: nah, it's like, a hard pass for I, me watched too.
3: Lion, I watched lion king on disney plus mainly because it has beyonce in it my mom loves beyonce <laughs> And she yeah, loves yeah, yeah. Wait,
1: soundtrack. is she? In Be- Wait, what is Beyonce doing that? She's Nala.
3: She's adult Nala. Oh. And she also did a new soundtrack for the movie, huh. which is actually like really, really good.
1: I was always more of a Pink Panther, Beyonce kind of guy.
0: <laughs> I, I just love the idea of Halle Berry <laughs> having a daughter named Halle Berry, but it's not. How do you pronounce it?
1: Wait, is Halle Berry's daughter named Halle Berry? She's the Little Mermaid. She plays oh, Ariel. I didn't know
0: that. And her name sure? is spelled H L H A L L E. Are you sure? Oh, I'm one hundred and eighty thousand. I'm one hundred and eighty thousand
3: percent positive. How I'm, old is Halle Berry? I'm sure Hallie Bailey is not wait Halle Berry. Oh wait, hold on. No, no, no. Oh, no, what's it's happening Halle here?
0: Bailey. <laughs> oh my God! Is not Bear? <laughs> wait. Oh my God! I just told, i thought it was Halle Berry's daughter.
3: No, it's it's Bailey, not Barry. <laughs> oh, she's from Atlanta. So, that was so much more exciting.
1: Where's she from? She's from Paul. Atlanta. Oh, Mapleton, Georgia. I know where that is. Okay.
3: She's got a twin sister Chloe Bailey, who's also really—is
1: yeah. she the one in that new show? Which one? There are hold Aladdin. on. <laughs> are they both actors?
3: Um. Yeah. Now they are.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah the move the girl starring in the little mermaid is she an actor
1: no i'm saying the, the sister chloe are they both okay chloe that sounds familiar
3: she's in that uh what's what the is she in called? she looks it's, familiar it's a new oh sworn
1: that's what i'm thinking of uh, yes okay so she is in that yes okay that's that's yeah my wife's talking about that one okay um And to bring it all full circle, do you know what uh, Eric Berry came out to uh, while he was a member of the University of Tennessee and what they would blast in the Jumbotron before NIL? Because this man would have made so much money in college back in the day. But Eric Berry, they would play on the Jumbotron eric berry like they turned the whole instead of Halle bear they turned it into eric berry and it stuck my whenever i think of Halle berry i always think of eric berry because tennessee played that up so much it was there was a whole song music video and everything eric berry mm-hmm. <laughs> and that will conclude the singing portion of this very program Uh i did see uh my wife and i we have uh regal unlimited and it's awesome like i i just love going to the movies and it pays for itself if you go to literally just two movies a month but um we saw are you there god it's me margaret and great film great film loved it had a great time um but highly would recommend that um so there you go uh let's talk some nfl shall we guys uh jp i want to kind of get into over the next couple of weeks um the hierarchy and what um, what the NFC, what different divisions are going to look like going into this summer? Because we've got basically the everything's done outside of Macai Becton, maybe being like, "Uh, I want out of here." So uh, keep asking me questions about what it's been like to be a Jet the last two years. Um, Jonah Williams, I guess, could still be on the move theoretically. Who knows what happens there? But by and large, most guys or um most teams have filled out the roster, and we have a pretty good idea of what. Uh, Each team is going to look like both uh, after the draft and after free agency. But the NFC North, I think, is the first one I wanted to start with here, because I think it's going to be really fascinating to just go into this year without Aaron Rodgers, without Brett Favre, the first time really in my life that the especially my sports fandom, that the Packers are this vulnerable and that they're not going to go into next year being the favorite uh, to win this division. And it's the first time in a long time. You're just looking at the NFC North hierarchy. And I think around the league, they're the hardest to forecast because I think you could actually make the case outside of the Bears. You'd have to really, really love a Justin Fields lead this year to put them in like they can win the NFC North. Still could happen. Still could. Like there's still a path because this division is so wide open that nine and eight, I think, could win this division next year. I think it could be a lot of mediocre teams, a lot of mediocre quarterback play. And that makes it pretty volatile. Do you share that sentiment in that this could be a really volatile division and that only a couple of games could separate one through four this season, JP?
3: I think so. I think this division is, has a lot of uncertainty. You know, I think there are a lot of big question marks surrounding every team. I think when you look at a team like Chicago, like, yeah, you could probably like, it's going to take some serious talking, but you can talk yourself into like, hey, Maybe this Justin Fields thing turns into like an explosion in year Mm -hmm. three. And this offense just completely hits the super high ceiling. The defense is good enough. Not going to say it's great, but it's good enough to make plays when they have to. And, yeah, they win the division. I mean, if we're looking at the Packers, it all surrounds Jordan Love. And I think Jordan Love played really well in the Mm. limited that he was in last year he looked a lot more in control a lot more calmed down in the pocket I think he had a better grasp of the offense I'm really excited to see what he looks like in this Matt LaFleur offense in Green Bay with the weapons that they have I think Minnesota again I think Minnesota will probably be the second they're probably like the second best team in the conference right now just looking at like preseason like Rank, rankings because the offense is still going to give you something. You're, you're going to get at least 20 points from that offense. I think Justin Jefferson's too good. I think Jordan Hudson's a great compliment to Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins is going to get you at least 20 points a game. I don't think it's going to get any better than last year because they won so many one-score games. And that. Defense, That's what I was about to ask you. Does yeah. that not scare you a little bit? I think... The volatility of the one-score games, that doesn't scare, scare me as much as losing almost every corner that you have. <laughs> like, that. the cornerback room right now, I'm looking it up as we speak, which is great for, like, the audio. Well,
1: I got you if you're ready. Andrew Booth Jr. Um, on one side. You got uh, a Caleb? A Caleb? Evans? Evans. Yeah. And then uh, Byron Murphy as your nickel corner, who I did not realize was no longer an Arizona Cardinal.
3: Yep, and they just drafted Makai Blackman from USC. Yeah. It's going to be a real rough year for them in terms of pass coverage, which makes them extremely volatile when it comes to the modern NFL. It makes them an extremely volatile team. And then you look at Detroit. Detroit will probably go in as the trendy pick this year because yeah. the offense is going to return everybody. Yeah, and even the guys that you didn't bring back, like Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, you just replaced them with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. And that's that's like a one-to-one replacement. Jameer Gibbs probably is better than DeAndre Swift. It's just you're waiting to see if that defense comes around. There Mm -hmm. were moments where defense looked great, and there were moments where they got ran into the dirt by Carolina. It's just there's a lot of volatility with every team in this conference, and I think it makes it uncertain, but also makes it fun. It makes it fun to see who ends up. Getting the best play from their team at the right time—that's the thing about the NFL. If you, if you can hit a switch at the right time, you can go from like third place in your division to potentially making a crazy run in the playoffs.
1: I don't know, Evan. Do you do you see Detroit going in as the favorite? Are they your favorite in the NFC North right now?
0: Yeah, I mean. Okay. I'm still confused about the draft and a little bit, but I,
1: I I don't think it's just an NFC North
0: thing though. Mm. In terms, I think the entire NFL more so this year than a, really ever before is like we're not going to be able to know what's going on with these teams until we see the quarterback play, and it's across the board. It's old QBs, it's veteran QBs, it's rookie QBs, it's mm. QBs who've been who've been traded, it's QBs who've taken new spots. Like it's all. All this is the same situation. There's a lot of QBs that got taken this year in the draft, and I, I can't really say how I think a team will do until I watch them play, um, except for the Panthers. I think they're going to be bad after seeing photos of, of uh, their quarterback, <laughs> unable to even be physically seen <laughs> with their line. Um but, no, I literally, like, you know, Jordan Love had some good games. And, I, like, especially was the last game he played was, like, exciting, almost. It was, like, gave a little bit of glimmer of hope to the to the Packers, which we don't want them to have <laughs> if they don't deserve it. Um, So, I, I just – there's so much of this NFL season, including my own team, mm. Uh, where it's, like, I just can't really make any kind
3: of declaration until I see these QBs play. And – I think that's the biggest thing in the NFC. There's such a deep trench in the quality of quarterback play in this in this conference. I mean, at the top of the conference in the NFC, you got Geno Smith, you got Dak, you got Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, yes. Geno Smith, Jalen Hurts, and Dak. And then after that,
1: Kirk maybe? Stafford, if healthy, I think deserves Stafford, to be.
3: Healthy Stafford.
1: Yeah, it's a big if nowadays, though. <laughs> yeah.
3: if. That, the the Rams—that's a big if. If he's Kyler,
1: healthy. if healthy, is somewhere in that top three,
3: is gonna miss like
1: the yeah. first
3: six games of the season. There, yeah. there's a massive gap in the quality of quarterback play, which is why I think that the NFC is gonna be a—they're gonna be a lot of teams that base their offense on the ground game if they don't have a guy like the Lions, which is why I think the Lions draft makes a whole lot of sense. Because they're going to continue to do what they did last year, because teams are getting smaller and smaller mm. and running lighter boxes and on defense. They're just like, okay, you want to do that? We're going to punch you in the mouth with the run game. We're going to have guys who can hit the hole and get you at least six, seven yards a pop. Jameer Gibbs can take it to the end zone on any touch. So I, at that point, I understand why they did what they did in the draft. I, I actually like it in terms of their moves because they're banking on a future of the NFL that we've already seen, which is teams are going to be a lot more based in 21 and 12 personnel. Hmm. And they're going to get They're going to get them downhill. They're going to get and get them in the run game. So gonna,
0: you're going to have the Eagles and the bills and, and you know, the chiefs, they're going to throw the ball uh, maybe a couple other teams, but this is going to be a very run dominant season coming up. This is what we need.
1: This is. I mean, a- the NFC especially, though. I don't think it's going to be in the AFC. Like you have Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert. I mean, I'm sure the Broncos with Wilson's going to throw a lot. I mean, yeah, you go up and down the list. they think- are not going to throw the ball a lot. You don't think so? I don't think so at all. I think interesting. Even with move, Sutton and that and Patrick and Judy, you don't think they they throw a lot? I think
3: every move that they made this year kind of ensured that they were not going to throw the ball a lot this year. Huh? I, think I mean, that-, that could just be insurance. I think they're going to lean a lot on the run game and try and turn Russ into the point guard and Mm. don't let him don't let Russ cook. That's that's the entire mantra this season for the for the uh, like not
1: uh, the Russell Westbrook point guard, the Anthony Carter point guard, the Andre Miller point guard.
3: Yeah, we don't need you to make every play on the field. We're not any play. (laughs) (laughs) We, We need you to do. I think this is exactly what Russ should be trying to do it's Mm. the the Matt LaFleur era Aaron Rodgers where you get the ball out quick get the ball out your hands and then if the team if defenses want to clutch up on the run game and the quick passing then you hit them over the top and remind them that yeah you can still throw the deep ball but I Mm. don't think Russ is that kind of quarterback but we have yet to see it I just think the Broncos are doing everything possible to ensure that they are not going to let Russ cook
1: this year. That's interesting. I I also wonder what to bring about the Lions for a second. It's just that, like, yeah, I think they should probably go in the favorites. I still would probably lean until it happens. It's funny. I would still probably lean Packers. Just of like it's an, the, it's
0: an insane, an insane thing to say. I get it. I they get it. missed the playoffs last year with Rodgers. And you think they're going to make it? Like, Chase, you don't always have to have these weird little opinions. That, mm. you could just go with like simple, clean-cut logic here. But, no playoffs with
3: Rodgers, no playoffs without Rod- Rodgers.
0: There's so I'm much talent on like, that
1: defense.
3: I kind of see it. Yeah. Because like Chase said, that defense is really talented. You give them a, another year mm. in that defense, you just see what happens. I also think the Packers' offensive line was very, very injured last year. Mm. We don't know what the status of David battiari is. I mean, he's—I think he's going to play. Yeah. Um, Elton Jenkins had to play literally everywhere on the offensive line, and they should just stick him at left guard and let him cook there. But if the offensive line's healthy, you got enough skill talent. You got—you have enough guys. I think. Between Christian Watson, the run game with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, the two tight ends that, that they picked up in the draft. Um,
1: Tucker Craft and, and Luke
3: Musgrave. Luke Musgrave. I think they work so well as a complement yeah. to each other. that I think they're also going to be a team that, like, we're going to get in 12 personnel, we're going to run the ball at you, and then we're going to let Jordan Love kind of be a playmaker.
1: Yeah. And there's an upside for that, right? Like, Love, we don't really know, but he hasn't been bad. And he showed uh, – um in his limited appearances last year that he was making progress and with a full offseason, just with ones and running just with ones and I mean like you said they drafted well they're gonna have a strong run game I think the offensive line should be better and I like the receivers like Christian Watson might be like one of like he has breakout potential like I'm not sure if he can be like a Jamar Chase type but I think he does have potential especially not I think a lot of these receivers my gut tells me that it's going to be a more relaxing year with Jordan Love instead of Aaron Rodgers and not having to worry about Aaron Rodgers uh, chewing him out or losing his mind and not trusting them. Jordan Love, I think is going to spread the ball around. I think the, the, I think you're just going to see a a better offense than what we saw last year in Green Bay.
3: I don't know if it's going to be better, but I think Jordan, I think Jordan Love is going to play relatively well for Mm. a first year starter, which is crazy to think considering he's going into what his fourth year. Yeah. Like this is gonna be his fourth year in the league, and he's a first year starter. So And would it
1: surprise you if he's like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC next year?
3: It would surprise me if he's one of the best. it would surprise me if he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC. It wouldn't surprise me. There's just him. a lot
1: of openings for this. There's a lot of openings for I mean, it's a good what are we doing? Off, I think it's a it's a Did I black out? Jordan one Love could be best... great. There's absolutely the Packers are 2 for 2 in my lifetime. Like they might go 3 for 3. I'm not betting against the Packers in developing quarterbacks. And everything it's also a that friendly team scheme. has
0: done. Huh? S- everything that team has done since drafting Jordan Love, plus looking at how he played other than that final like maybe one or two games, states that he will be mid.
3: He played pretty well against the Eagles when Rodgers got hurt, but Like like I said
1: that that last that last
3: game everyone was like
0: scratching their head like wait, is he actually good
1: i think they might have the best core of young pieces around a quarterback in the nfc right now when you think of guys who can pop with the run game with the tight ends they just drafted like aaron jones and aj dylan it's a great one too you bring in luke musgrave and tucker craft there's some high upside there you still have josiah Degara, who was a third rounder a couple years who ago are they
0: throwing the ball to
1: but that's the thing. Romeo Dubs had his moments last year. He was someone early on who popped uh, early unexpected. Christian Watson, I think, has elite upside. Like, I think he is still someone who could be a big time player. Jaden Reed in the second round. I like him. He was a dude at Michigan State. They've drafted like uh, Don Dontavian Wicks, Grant DeBose. Like, I just they've taken a lot of shots here that I'm curious if it like it would not surprise me. If this all popped for Green Bay, I'm not saying I'm betting on it. I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me if Green Bay is going to be fine.
0: I'm very, so. very excited to revisit this.
1: Cowboys are going to have the best record in the NFC. I mean, you know that, Evan. But I also could see, like, it wouldn't surprise me if the Cowboys-Packers are one-two come playoff time next year.
3: Dog,
0: like, it, you need to, you need to start being punished for these things. You need to start being punished. You just sit there oh. <laughs> with Andy Griffith just judging you about just how like look at him. It's like he he's coming over to like set his briefcase down and talk to you about like you can't keep doing this. Well, first
1: of all, that's been Matt Lock. You know this those, is, uh, and he's also a defense attorney, not a prosecutor, no, so he's only no, defending.
3: It says Chase Thomas.
0: I know called, it's blocking now. I, can't see. I gotta
1: redo it. Yeah,
3: you know those spray bottles that they that people have. One hundred percent. Yeah, this is exactly the moment. it's Relax. <laughs>
1: Are you doing the Modern Family GIF where he, yes. uh, Ed O'Neill's <laughs> bring, uh, what's his name? Yeah, that's what it yeah. feels like.
3: I, I don't think the Packers are going to have the best record in the NFC. I don't think they have the best core. Of I those. didn't say best. I said
1: number two. Could you see them being a two seed next year? Oh. No, okay. I don't.
3: I think upside is like, yeah, they win the division. I think if they win the division, that the best case scenario is like, they're getting in as a four seed.
0: I mean, we're playing with house money here. Let's just go on. Packers win the Super Bowl. Why not? See, I don't I mean, Jordan, love, Jordan Love MVP. Why not? We just said We just said the NFL. No, you just said they really have an incredible game defense, game. and now you're saying that he could be one of the best QBs in the NFC. It doesn't take much more than that. One of the best defenses and a really good quarterback. I mean,
1: if they have a top five defensive DVOA and the offense is somewhere in that 10 to 15 range in offensive DVOA, like I, that's a team that can win a lot of regular season games. I think the best they do
3: is you, you win a division, you get a four seed, and you host a playoff game. That is I mean, the best case scenario for this Packers team. I really don't I think like it's the best case scenario for any Packers. NFC North team this year. Mm. Like, no team in the NFC North should have Super Bowl. Uh, I don't think they are a Super Bowl favorite. Super yeah. Bowl, no, but I definitely could
0: see the Lions, just especially considering the division, winning a lot of
3: games and having like a, a a three seed, yeah, maybe? It, yeah, it was like what I'm saying, like best case scenario for like the NFC North teams is like maybe a three seed, maybe a four. You get to host a home playoff game. Mm-hmm. That's that's the goal here.
1: Except for like Chicago. The goal for Chicago is like six games. I think the goal for Chicago is seven. I think you can get seven or eight. I think I if mean, Justin Fields, Fields has a him. good year, seven's possible, we're, seven or eight. We're putting
3: a lot of faith in Justin Fields. The offense yeah. going from we're putting a lot of faith in the offense being second half 2022 mm. instead of first half 2022. And I'm, I'm probably going to write about it. I mean,
1: Darnell, right, right. Tackle, plug and play. That's going to help think, my guy.
3: I don't think about it. I probably might write about it.
1: Though. DJ Moore is now on this team. Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney. I like that three man. There's group. a
3: lot. There's a lot to love about what the bears have done on paper, but you still you still gotta see it. I think Justin Fields took a lot of hits last year. A lot of it yeah. was he was their only source of consistent offense. So they had to run him twenty to thirty times a game. Now now that I'm talking it out, I have to write this now. Um
1: this is what this pod could be for, JP is fleshing <laughs> out your next article every week. This could be good.
3: Defensively, like you're putting a lot of faith in a bunch of dudes. Like mm. we, we don't know if these guys can can generate consistent pass rush to cause turnovers or if the DB is going to be good enough to cause turnovers. You got some, you got Tremaine Edmonds who is very good against the run, but I don't know what, what else he does. Like he's great against the run, but there are a lot of questions about Chicago. That's making me say, Hey, you win six games, you win seven games. Going into this se- this upcoming season, the goal should be to know you have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. That should be the entire focus. Like, hey, if Justin Fields is our guy, if he proves to be our guy after we surrounded him with enough talent, we're going into the offseason next year, let's go try and make a playoff run. You'll still have a lot of cap space. But this year should be very much, let's see what happens.
1: I have my final take on the NFC North. Here's what I think ultimately happens. I think the Packers finish first. I'm going to say 11 and six for the Packers. Oh, boy. boy. I think number two, the nine and eight Bears. Oh, no. Number three, the eight and nine Lions. Oh, no. Number four, the Minnesota Vikings. The luck goes the other way. They have the season from hell. I think they go five and 11. I think it's uh, blow it up central uh this after this season in Minnesota. I think I they, agree
0: that it's blow up blow it up central, but they're still winning ten games.
1: I don't think they're so. Win at least,
0: they're gonna win at least like eight games. I think it's they're, six winning, or seven. they're winning
1: ten games. It might be five. Let's go down to five, make it interesting, five and twelve.
3: I I think they will probably end up like fighting for one of those wild card spots because yeah. that team's just too talented offensively. And unless, like, the defense just completely is. Defense might be terrible. It was last year. If the defense is horrendous and the ter- the luck goes completely the opposite way, like, yeah, they'll be terrible. But I just don't see that offense being bad enough for them to just completely, like, have everything fall apart.
1: Mm. Evan. If the Falcons don't have the best running back room in 2023, who might it be? I, I wonder where you would go with this. I wanted to throw this to you.
0: What does best running back
1: room mean to you? Do you mean best production or the best overall talent? I think best overall talent. Do you think the Falcons backfield more talented than the Niners going into this year?
0: I'm not going to ever give any team uh, that nod until I see him play. Uh, your, your running backs are exciting, but I'd like to see him play. Um you know i i think the packers especially with rodgers uh gone have a good balance of talent and also uh production coming up which is you know yada 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 uh i i think the the browns right the browns have a, a pretty decent running back group just because of nick Chubb. um but i i'm going period i'm going the 49ers um with a caveat of health. What I I don't, I here's the thing. I know that we're not talking about it as much as we should, because right now people are still confused about like the Trey Lance situation, everything like that. What happened with the 49ers offense when Christian McCaffrey came to the 49ers? I don't think we've seen like in a very long time, it was one of the most stark increases in production. They went from, like I, I don't even know what the points. They were the
3: most was. efficient offenses in the NFL ever, with Christian.
0: They, and and people want to talk about Brock Purdy, and he played out of his mind. And I do think he played better than Jimmy, and I do think he could do things that Jimmy couldn't do. But Jimmy was putting up almost
3: identical points per game. The offense did not change at all no.
0: schematically. There were some throws that I think that uh, you know some choices that Purdy made that were flashy and exciting, but. It wasn't either of those quarterbacks. It was Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey changed that offense in ways that Debo Samuel never could ever. Like, I, it, it, it's Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL and he is going to be leading the best running back group in the NFL, I think. Elijah Mitchell is one of the more underrated backs. He had starting running back uh, quality, talent, numbers, all of the above, and now you have him and Christian McCaffrey. Um, I, I think it's an easy answer, but I, I am kind of curious uh, what happened. I happens. noticed you didn't
1: mention uh, the third rounder from last year. What is it, uh, oh, Davis Price? Ty Davis-Price?
0: Ty Davis-Price. Yeah. I think they're using him as a fullback. Oh. That's – They used – I mean, I'm not asking. That's article like, they, number they, two they, for JP. They, they were <laughs> using him as a fullback last year. But no, but reality, like in terms of all the players that we talked about, uh, we can't ignore what Josh Jacobs did, right? And I think with Jimmy coming in, Jimmy's going to give the offense some very st- good stability, and with stability usually is very good for the run game and Josh Jacobs had an incredible year last year so it's you know Meno
1: white too he'll probably be fine for them as a backup he'll what do you and do okay I'm
0: curious really curious what happens with Jonathan Taylor's season now with the Colts with hmm. a normal head coach uh with a mobile quarterback with an athletic quarterback that can really like you know spread the field a little bit the way that they wanted trey lance to do it so this
3: is going to be a very interesting year for running backs. I will say, a very underrated one. When they're healthy, the Ravens running back group is really fun. Hmm. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, the Gus Bus—one of my favorite running backs to watch because he never goes backwards. He's always moving forward. That's why he's the Bus. Bus never reverses. Mm-hmm. Never going backwards. Uh, Justice Hill, another very fun fun guy. Uh, they draft. They got Keaton Mitchell. Mm. It was very fun at East Carolina. Health, very dependent because you mm. just need justice. Uh, you need, I mean, you need J.K. Dobbins and you need Just Edwards healthy. But mm. that run game, that offense, that that running back room should be very fun. Um, does it
1: worry you going from Remen to Monkin, though, in that regard? No. Okay.
3: Not at all. Because if Todd Monken does anything like what he did at Georgia with those running backs and those guys, he should be able to do it at the NFL level with better players.
1: I'm really curious to see what it looks like. I think they're the most fun, interesting, just like for it's all the college NFL fans are like him with Lamar Jackson and some of the pieces in Baltimore so could be special.
3: It's going to be so fun. Um, yeah. I think the Raiders could be very interesting. Like Evan said, uh, Josh Jacobs had a phenomenal season last year. Shout out to Jacob Johnson fullback. They mm. started playing him a lot more and getting in more 21 personnel, an old school fullback split eye. I formation and just running the ball at you. He was doing work, and I think that rocks more fullbacks. I advocate for more fullbacks in the NFL. Use check that. <laughs> use check is my guy. Mm. Uh, Pat Ricard again, Ravens, another one of my guys. He's awesome. Um, but I do think if, if we're doing like preseason best running back group in the NFL, I think you got to start with the Niners. I think
1: Chris about McHarr- to say Falcons and.
3: Mr. McCaffrey just gives you so much yeah. as a runner and a pat and a receiver that like it forces you to keep a linebacker on the field. But if your linebacker is not good enough at covering in space, he is going to get abused by Christian McCaffrey. So it, it just causes so many problems. And go mm-hmm. down you got Elijah Mitchell in the back of you, uh, behind him. He's you also just- have Debo. I mean, you got Debo I mean, Check, who's a fullback. I'm counting fullbacks as a part of this. Legitimately, when the Niners had check McCaffrey, Debo, Iyuk, and George Kittle on the field, that was the mm-hmm. Like That offense, right, that personnel grouping was the most insane grouping in the NFL last year outside of Kansas City. Hmm. Like they, they were so efficient, so explosive, so many ways to get everybody the ball. Right, that running back room is a large part of why Christian McCaffrey is a large part of why. But I do think the Falcons could be very interesting. I think the you know back- what's
1: also fascinating is that like we've done this whole exercise for like five minutes and no one said the Titans and Derrick Henry. And is it, it like, over? Is I mean, it over? It's
3: running back rooms. Yeah, so we're looking at overall depth. Yeah. running back room.
1: And you know like the depth Derrick, behind yeah, uh, Derrick, Derrick Henry is
3: phenomenal. I yeah. I tire of playing Derrick Henry twice a year. I but, mean, I mean they do statistically have Haskins,
1: and they just drafted Tajay Spears who a lot of people liked. I mean there's yeah. statistically Tyge speaking
0: we're yeah. looking we're looking close to the the, the end of the Derrick Henry experiment which has been incredible i'm not saying it's going to be this year but like statistically speaking you run someone that hard even derrick henry is going to start to feel it eventually i'm not,
3: not saying it's this year but and know. also Ty J spears does not have an acl also that team's just bad like mm. Ty J spears literally does not have an acl mm. so that's that's another team where i'm like if they had more depth behind um Derek Henry, I would say yeah, that's another good one. The Seahawks with Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. Very interesting group. Very yeah. fun, very fun group of guys. Very nice dynamic. I think I'm the dynamic gonna, I'm,
0: gonna, I'm gonna bring myself over here since it's Chase really is fun. is gone. It's just us now. <laughs> uh, there's no chase. So it's just me, oh. uh, to the listeners. Chase is gone, but chase has like a graphic that just shows me JP and him. But now that it's only two videos, it's a literally like the, the graphic isn't in the same place. Yeah, it's, as like the videos.
3: it's like we're in all three boxes at the same time. So,
0: so I'm like lining myself up. Uh, well, since we're, yeah. <laughs> there we go. There uh, is. since, since chase is gone and there's no rules, How bad do you think the
3: Falcons are going to be this coming year, realistically? Um, If this Desmond Ritter thing doesn't work out, man, it could get real bad. I think they've built – I think they've tried to emulate – ah, and perfect timing. Continue talking about why the Falcons are not going to be good this year. So the –
0: you leave, hey, him. you leave uh, you leave us if the rules are
3: the rules are gone the out. Falcons the are trying to emulate the Titans in terms of we're going to try and hide our quarterback as much as possible with this offense. I don't know if Desmond Ritter is going to be like, I just, I need to see a whole lot more from De- from Desmond Ritter. Like I need to see a whole lot more from Sam Howell. And like I need to see a whole lot
1: more. Hold from on, don't throw Dez in there with Sam Howell. Wait, hold
3: on. Don't throw Sam
0: Howell in there with Desmond Ritter. <laughs> They're the same. They're... Oh, my gosh.
1: Desmond Ritter, his floor is so high. And Sam Howell's floor is so low in Chase, this league.
0: All, all I'm saying is, is like, I don't know. Maybe, Des, the worst maybe case scenario just...
1: for Desmond Ritter is he's Alex Smith. Like that's lots, worst case scenario. Lots
3: of volunteer Worst case scenario. First off, yeah. watch your best mouth.
0: Best case scenario is watch Trevor your Lawrence.
1: Mouth. Worst case scenario is who are you, Alex Smith?
0: <laughs> Dog. The best case scenario or <laughs> the worst case scenario is that he was Desmond Ritter last year.
1: He
3: was fine. And best case scenario for Desmond Ritter is Ryan Tannehill. No, and that's that's not a knock on like Desmond Ritter. Ryan Tannehill played extremely efficient offense for the Titans under Arthur Smith. And this leads me back to what I was saying with the Falcons trying to emulate what they built with the Titans, which is hide the quarterback as much as possible. Right. But I don't know if you can hide that quarterback. I don't know if you can hide him now. We'll see. I think the jury is out. I think there's enough talent for him to at least be serviceable. Right. But I'm going to have to see it. I got to see it. And, like, same thing with Sam Howell. I just need – I need him to see – I need to see consistency from them. I mean, they only played, like, what, four games?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, he did, he's not going to throw picks. He's going to have a high completion percentage. He's going to put the ball where he needs to go. I think he's going to be active in the run game. I think he's going to scramble well. I think he's going to make good decisions. And I think he's just going to be a it's super – aff- you he's are rattling off, like every single like top tier
3: quarterback trait. He's a great, he's a great completion percentage. Mm-hmm. He's gonna scramble for a bunch of yards. He's not gonna turn the ball over.
1: Did I mention that he won a lot of college football games? That the man did oh, not lose every four years. That's the actually man,
3: that is actually
0: the number one uh, statistic to tell whether or not a quarterback. I think he, will he
1: might be the, the all time but... leader in wins in college football wins. If it's not him, he's in the top three. He's somewhere that's... in there. Like it's either him or Case Keenum. I'm pretty certain. Desmond Ritter is right there with college football wins. And look, I'm not saying all college. I'd like that's a so going to mean anything, but it might it might mean it.
0: Now that the world Kevin is more to normal, he wins.
1: Okay.
3: Um, Desmond Ritter has 44. Oh, see there you go, 44, right there. He's right behind uh, Colt McCoy.
1: Another legendary NFL quarterback,
0: forty Forty ers <laughs> legend, actually.
1: Yeah, shout to Colt McCoy though. Still getting checks.
3: The top five is Kellen Moore, Desmond uh-huh. Ritter, Colt McCoy, Andy Dalton, and George's own David Green.
1: See, I knew he was in the top five somewhere.
0: Just, just a pantheon of elite quarterbacks
3: <laughs> in the NFL.
0: Yeah, just, yeah, a pantheon the of elite top NFL top quarterbacks.
3: Things. But like, I think, I think Desmond Ritter. If I'm going, to, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna bash him for the entire. World.
0: I just gotta say, yeah. shout out to JP for taking my absolutely unserious question and being the journalist that he is and giving me a very serious answer. I you went off the camera and I immediately was like, okay, chase is gone. Time to talk about why the Falcons suck.
1: Was that really what Man. happened?
0: Oh, literally, 100%. exactly what
1: happened. Man, no, Man I had to go kill a roach. We had a giant roach in our front door. My wife needed. She was like, this needs to get taken care of now so giant, I
3: giant roaches I, I
1: understand. like it was that was yeah but i Roach think had to go
3: i'm not gonna bash desmond ritter for like the entire podcast i think he does some things very well very well i think
1: is mm-hmm.
3: a good enough scrambler where like you don't have to tell him to take off and run i think he's a good thrower over the middle of the field i just worry about throwing outside the numbers And post snap reads, which I'm going to worry about with all young quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. because Mm. the game just moves so much faster at this level. We we will see with Desmond Ritter. I'm not going to say like, oh, he's going to suck, but
1: I don't see there just being a path of him sucking. I just I don't see it. Oh, worse, he's mid
3: of him sucking.
1: Yeah. That would that'd bum me out. If he, if he does end up sucking, though, then it's Kyler Murray time.
3: Or you're bad enough that you draft Caleb Williams or Drake May.
1: I don't think they're going to go down that rabbit hole. The fact that they were dipping their toes in the Deshaun Watson stuff last year just still reeks to me that they want to win now and they are not going and they drafted the older quarterback in college and does like I don't think they're going to be willing to wait. and I don't think they can wait because Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith, I don't think can get another year. If they but missed if they the playoffs wanted
3: this year now they should have traded for lamar if they wanted yeah. to win now but i think they're gonna give desmond ritter a shot mm-hmm. see what happens if he's bad cool we'll just go draft one of the uh, top quarterbacks if he's good sure we'll have a good quarterback in the nfc that's kind of weak you just don't want to be stuck in qb purgatory where yeah bad enough that you can't make a serious playoff run but he's good enough to, to the point where he's not going to actively lose you games mm-hmm.
1: i think so too i just my gut tells me the way this organization is operating in this regime is that they will not draft a quarterback high like if they draft a quarterback high then it's a different regime in place it's my guess
3: and that's why like i'm so intrigued by this desmond ritter thing because you don't see a lot of third round picks they have you don't see a lot of third round picks being said like yeah this is our guy this mm. is the starter this is the franchise you just don't see that a lot in the NFL mm. so I mean we'll like, see the best case scenario he's Ryan Tannehill mm. and Ryan Tannehill was best case
0: scenario is Alex Smith that who, is, who, Thank who you. had a, who a good callback very good
1: oh no I said that was worst case scenario. You bastard! I will, th- I will send, I
0: will send an um, armada of roaches to your house. Wow, I don't think, it's, I don't think that the best that impacts scenario. Sam too. That's not
1: just a me thing, Evan. That's you're that's. Hey, that listen,
0: she knows, she knows what she signed up for. <laughs> right. I don't think
3: best case scenario is Alex Smith. I think like best mm-hmm. case scenario is Ryan Tannehill, where he's not scared of throwing the ball over the middle, and he can also pull the ball on a zone read and make teams account for his ability as a runner. How far that gets you in a weekend FC, we'll see. I just don't know what we got. Like I said, we got to see it with Desmond Ritter.
1: Well, speaking of got to see it, we'll end here, guys. Why or why not? We'll start this series tonight. Why or why not? CJ Stroud will win Offensive Rookie of the Year in Houston this season.
3: Um, so I can see both sides. I can see like the why is very simple. It's if you're in a Shanahan adjacent or a Shanahan, like Shanahan light offense, Mm. CJ Stroud is a very, very cerebral passer. I think he has the ability to throw outside the pocket, inside the pocket. He's got great touch to all levels of the field. I think it's kind of like a how a pro golfer can get the ball up and down onto the green without mm. that bounce or without that much roll. I don't know what you call it in golf terms. I gotta look this up so I can actually like
1: like that dude who hit a hole in one yesterday.
3: Yeah, I gotta I gotta look this up so I can sound a little smarter when I say this. But he's like a professional golfer, and his ability mm. to get the ball up and down without having to throw it a hundred miles an hour. Mm. So I think that's gonna work really well in a Shanahan light offense. Um, Damian Pierce is really good. I think you're gonna see a whole lot more from him behind in that offense. Larry Tunzel is one of the best left tackles in the game, and you have an offense run by a Shanahan acolyte. And hey, we could we could see him win offensive rookie of the year because he, he worst case scenario he's just being the uh, the AI like he's being mad and controlled by the offense. <laughs> And that can get you an offensive rookie of the year.
1: And he's probably the most QB ready guy to do that, right? Of anyone in his class to be the AI guy. Because that's not going to be Anthony Richardson. That's not Bryce Young. Um, well, I think
3: Bryce Young can absolutely be the AI guy.
1: But I think he wants to move around. Bryce Young wants to create out of structure. I think CJ Stroud's absolutely the quarterback who's like structure, structure, structure. Yeah, that's absolutely fine with me.
3: Yeah, I, I definitely agree there. But I also think Bryce Young... I think he's going to be at his best in the RPO game. Mm. I think when you look at a guy like Bryce Young and you look kind of look at, and I'm not saying these two players are one-to-one, this is going to be his peak or his pro comparison. I just think stylistically it's kind of similar to Tua and his ability hmm.
1: to be quick with Wait, the CJ ball. Wait, CJ or Bryce? Bryce Young. Okay.
3: In his ability to be quick with the ball on RPOs. He knows hmm. – Where the ball is going, he knows how to get the ball out in an instant in the short yardage areas. Where I think Bryce Young differs is he can do something outside the pocket if it doesn't go right immediately. He can, if the play is not schemed up perfectly, if the coach just does not like, okay, if we're using the Madden AI comparison, Mm. if the defense has the perfect play called against your Madden play, you can scramble out the pocket and figure something out. Yeah. I think Bryce Young excels. But I do think CJ Stroud has a very, very easy path. There's a very, like, you can see this happening where he elevates the offense in the Shanahan system. He just tears it up in the AFC and he wins offensive rookie of the year. I don't think that's going to lead to like wins immediately for the Texans, but he can win off its work of the year.
1: I also wonder, too, the Texans are just such an interesting team, Evan, because you've got your guy, D'Amico Ryan, coaching this group, and I think he's going to be good with Houston. But you look at it like you gave up a lot. Like I don't think they'll feel the ramifications of the Will Anderson trade anytime soon. I think that's one a couple of years from now where it's like, oh, there are some holes here, and it would have been nice not to – trade up uh for will anderson and in, in this particular spot because we need three other spots filled and those could have been um draft picks in those spots and will's fine but he's not like just joey bosa or nick bosa or one of those i, I mean uh miles garrett being like the guy you probably more than anybody would give up that kind of haul for but i don't know like i i just i wonder if the team is good enough where he wins he gets that kind of momentum for offensive rookie of the year where they're clicking both on offense because the defense actually is playing well And that. Well, Anderson is good right away. Jimmy Ward's good for them. Um, Their linebackers are good. Christian Harris is fine. Derek Stingley pops this year with this groove. Jalen Petrie is good. Like, I wonder if the defense is good enough to kind of help his narrative um, in this narrative case. Cause I think that matters.
0: I, I, I definitely think CJ, I, I think of the two quarterbacks taken, CJ Stroud is going to have a better career. Hmm. Um, I have no faith in a five foot nine quarterback that weighs seven pounds. I could, I could power bomb that, <laughs> that child. I literally could throw him. I could throw him over a fence <laughs> by grabbing the back of his belt buckle. um And just <laughs> yeet, uh, no, but the, 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 the so obviously I think CJ Stroud, because of that, is a really good, uh you know, like everything you guys said. He's in a good situation. I think everything that the, the Texans did, like even late, like the last couple signings they've had in the last two weeks have been good. Mm. So I think he's in a really good position to be successful. But the the player that I'm most banking on is Anthony Richardson.
3: That's going
0: mm. to be such a fun offense. I, I the the Colts have been waiting so long to have they're like we got this we got this roster we've got these this talent quentin nelson is murdering people every snap like we just we just need a quarterback and they're like we'll give you philip rivers and <laughs> that didn't work out and then they're like we'll give you matt ryan and like pull off the mask actually it's still philip rivers and then that didn't work out. So I'm excited
3: about the year of Carson Wentz.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm not forgetting about it. I just don't want to talk about Carson Wentz, <laughs> dog. I'm so I'm excited. I'm really excited for Anthony Richardson. Um, Jim I'll Bob always,
1: Cooter is now the OC. Can't go wrong with Jim Bob. The,
0: yeah. Like I said, this is the, I said on the last podcast, this is the year of bringing back the OCs and DCs to be in their rightful positions and stop trying to be <laughs> head coaches. Um but, yeah, I, my favorite thing to root for, like, honestly, in the NFL is when there's, like, an athletic black quarterback, and they're like, mm, I don't know if he'll be able to adjust to the NFL or, you know, any of that bullshit. So I'm like – like, he's at the top of my list for players to root for. I hope he absolutely lights it up, and I think having the one of the best running backs in the NFL
3: is going to make it really easy. I think if I were picking a guy right now to win Offensive rookie of the year – I think I'm picking Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think he is going to tear it up. So hands. I, I think, wanted
0: to say that, by the way, but I can't it's contractually. It's <laughs> but do you not think that DK is going to take a little bit away from him? I think they do
3: different things. And this yeah. is the reason why they drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to feast in the slot on those five to 10 intermediate yard, intermediate routes. um, The best comparison for it is like when the Rams use Cooper cup in the slot and they just run all those juke routes where he'll, he'll fake like he's going, Oh, it's a choice route. Excuse me. Where he'll choose basically based on the leverage of the defender. If he cuts outside, if he cuts inside, he's going to destroy linebackers on that. I think with as much fear as Geno Smith, and I can't believe I'm saying this. Geno Smith, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett downfield. Geno Smith was one of the best downfield passers in the NFL last season. It was awesome to watch. <laughs> like, it was like he unlocked like the avatar state where he's just like destroying guys. Like the throw that he had, I'm sure a lot of people remember. I think I clipped it on my Twitter. It was a double post. And it, it was like triple covered against the saints and he just puts it right in Tyler Lockett's bread basket. And I'm like, that's an elite quarterback throw. Like I'll, I'll, I'll find it after the podcast. But now that you have a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigma who can make that offense so much more efficient in the snap to snap basis where you're not always have to rely on the DK Metcalf jump ball, 40 yards downfield or the Tyler Lockett 40 yard go ball, It's going to make them so much more efficient. He's going to post extremely good stats. I'm so excited to watch Jackson Smith and Jigba in that offense and what he can do. I think he is potentially going to be one of the best slot receivers in the game. All right, enough of this. Can we stop? This is like I
0: I don't have anything to counter that. I think you're right, and it's killing me. I don't want to talk about the Seahawks. (laughs) adding an absolutely dynamic receiver to an already dynamic receiving core. I want to
3: throw up listening to you talk. It's just so funny. Just like hearing a pre-draft, like, and I was also like one of the pre-draft things about Jackson Smith and Jigba was, can he win outside? Can he consistently win outside? Now he goes to a place where he doesn't have to. Can you okay. I'm gonna, okay. go outside? Because I'm gonna, Kevin, Tyler Lockett are gonna just like destroy teams
0: now. I'm gonna jump into traffic. <laughs> I'm gonna go kill myself.
3: JP,
1: what can you think folks check out from you over on spnation.com this week?
3: Yeah, we got some uh fun stuff. Uh last week I did a story uh building a football team out of anime characters. Mm-hmm. And it was very oh it was very-
1: hey, Milo. Milo's a fan.
3: Milo is a fan. What are you
0: saying? You're building an entire team out of anime characters. Yeah,
1: it's an entire team out of anime characters. Maybe
3: this week I'll build an entire team out of Disney characters. We'll see. Um, I'm definitely gonna write about the Bears at some point this week because I was talking about it on the podcast. I'm like, huh, this sounds like a really good story, so I might write about it. Um, but outside of that, just Follow me on Twitter at Acosta32 underscore JP. See what I'm talking about. It's mainly just going to be anime stuff and football stuff. But I think that's What cool. else is there in life? It's all that what, matters. What else is there? If I could just spend all day just thinking about football, anime, and professional wrestling, I would.
0: Yeah. By the way, I just want to let you guys know, Sarah is quite literally behind my monitor right now doing this just to keep Milo's <laughs> attention so that he'll look into the camera. <laughs> that's funny. That's awesome. He's doing a good job. He's doing great. It's because he's obsessed with her more than anything else in the world. Uh, well, there you go. As Edmund. always. Yeah. What do the good folks do? Go to uh, go to the Chase Thomas podcast on Apple Podcasts. Mm. unless you use like an Android phone, which is weird. Don't tell me about it. I don't want to know about it. But <laughs> Wherever you listen to podcasts, right. I want you to go on there and I want you to to look at the options uh, when it comes to reviewing the podcast and you're going to look at the one star and clearly that's not enough. Don't even think Mm -hmm. about it. In fact, if you go anywhere near that star, we're going to have to fight. I'm not going to be very happy about it. Two stars, two people together, two stars together, sitting there hanging out. It's it's awkward. You like forced conversation, three stars. It's like, now it's like, am I talking to both, both stars enough? They're kind of a weird situation Four stars I like that, but it's like the Beatles was three, right? Like you can do four. When's the last we time you do, saw a
3: yeah, band? Full yeah,
1: right. if you're at four and you don't go to five, that's like the weirdest behavior. Like on well, from like what what are we doing here? Just you know what go. it is. You know what it is?
3: If
0: you know what clicking on four stars on a review is, it's being a Karen. It's mm. literally being a Karen. It's going, mm, well, I just don't give perfect scores. No one cares. No mm. one cares. You're going to give a perfect score, Karen. You know why? Because there's dog food being fed. Right now. <laughs> and Hey,
1: there's the first time Sarah's made an appearance on the podcast. Sarah on the pod. Hey, Sarah. This um, is great. My wife, like, sneaking in here to, like, like looming in the background. I heard your dog there? earlier. Yeah, this is great. Um,
0: but no, yeah, you're going to give five stars because that's just the right thing to do. All right? Mm-hmm. So stop watching Real Housewives of... Whatever city it is that you're, Real Housewife
1: of Vanderpump Rules, yeah,
3: whatever that. Uh, If you give five stars, I'm gonna write mean things about your football team. There you go. And I'll write mean things about your family. (laughs) There you go. We got the best of both worlds. We're hitting you. We're hitting
0: football life. Uncle Terry drinks by himself, and it's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody should do something about that. Yeah, you know, and I'll write about that. So, so check – be on the lookout for that after you give Chase and the Chase Thomas podcast a five-star review. You read all of JP's articles.
1: Yeah. Kill two birds with one stone. Do good things. Be smarter, read JP, and then uh, just be nicer and leave us a five-star review. There you go. JP, Evan, thank you as always, my friends, and I will talk to you all next week. <laughs> Alright, hello, welcome back. Chase Office Podcast taping this on a Sunday night. Old Frank Graham Coffee of Dog Central. He's the dog out west. Is that LLC'd yet? Is that trademarked uh, the dog out west? You can't move back, you know, because I know, you're now I
2: know. I, I spent the last month in North Carolina and I was like, <laughs> Well, this is awkward. Um, yeah, no, Dog Out West is not trademarked. Uh Dog Central is is an LLC, but but Dog Out West is
1: uh Well, hold on, know, weren't you a Western Carolina guy though?
2: No, 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 no. I, I, I used to live were... in Asheville. I lived That's in Asheville. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because uh, you could, I thought you were you talking about Western Carolina way. University first.
1: No, 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 no. Well. I just was like, well, you could sell West, like Western Carolina. So it's still a dog out west in the west side of That's Carolina, fair. which is a great part That's of Carolina. Fair. I love Asheville. It it's our favorite. Uh, it's our favorite North Carolina spot. My wife and I. It's
2: quite. It's quite a place to be. Um, if I wasn't here, I'd probably be there. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. So is Knoxville, man. I was in Knoxville last summer for some stuff and, uh, it was, it's, it's, it's a really nice place and the Smokies are right there. And, um, you know, it's kind of got some of the, some Asheville elements to it. Every time I go downtown Knoxville, uh, which seems to happen a few years apart, it it reminds Mm. me more and more of downtown Asheville.
1: Yeah, downtown Nashville. I mean, even just the mountains. I think we're both big mountain people. I think we like Indeed. getting out there and that kind of deal. Uh, it's very uh, soothing, and I like being being out of the hustle and bustle. It's my jam. It's, I, I have two it's modes. It's good to feel small. It is. It is. Um, there was a way I was going to... Oh, I was going to like throw in because that was another stray that we caught. I'm glad that you uh, <laughs> are being professional, Graham, and talking about uh, Knoxville and the University of Tennessee as a whole right now because... Uh-huh. Uh, there were some folks, there was this tweet, I'm not going to name who the person was, but I sent it to some buddies. where I was like, what are we, uh, what are we doing here? Um, okay. what, what are we doing here as a society, as a SEC society, where <laughs> <laughs> Tennessee is getting dragged for not being Athens because they're adding this battery-like venue oh, on, the, on the water. Okay. And somehow uh-huh. Athens got into this where I was like, let me tell you folks, as someone who's here in Knoxville, and I guess kind of familiar with what's going on and uh, the behind the scenes of it. It's like I think they just wanted to make more money. Um, I think uh, I think that's the case. Most I
2: think times. that's what
1: they were. That was on their mind. I don't think they were like you know Athens has got a really perfect thing going down there. How do we create Knoxville and the Nealon Game Day experience to rival more of Knoxville or Athens? What I think they were thinking was we've been to a Braves game in the last five years. This looks good. Um, we have a waterfront here. We have a Vol Navy. We have this unique venue. We get college mm-hmm. game day a couple times a year. When we're good, mm-hmm. let's make a bunch of money and get a bunch of people more reason to come to these regular season games um, because, you know, college football attendance going down uh, across right. the board in a lot of spots. Like, you have to do different things. Um, but that was, that was something that I... Look I love the rivalry I love that Tennessee and Georgia fans can actually go back and forth now, and actually sure. it's not just sad
2: anymore it's not all one sided yeah. I mean it's you know the, the results on the field are are you know getting a little more competitive and Tennessee's yeah. like like recruiting really well and you know it's like they're they're the biggest threat to Georgia in the division right now without a doubt and if anyone says anything different then they're they're just kind of trolling in my opinion um have you so, flipped on Hypo?
1: Yeah. Because the last time we talked on this very program, you wondered if he was going to go the Dan Mullen route. Have you flipped no, on Heiple? So
2: I, I think that I have flipped on uh, nil collectives. Ooh. Like I think Tennessee's doing a really good job with their nil, and mm. I think that I think that Hypo, you know, uh, in a job like Tennessee, right? Like you got to get players mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, they're still not quite like doing doing that on a truly elite level on the line of scrimmage. But the beauty of the Josh Heupel offensive system is that like they they don't really have to have like five star linemen across the front. And
1: yeah. on the you know, offensive they, side of the ball, they need yeah, on on them. Yeah, 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 they need it on defense. There's a reason sure. Rodney Gardner is uh, the defensive line coach at the University of Tennessee. Dude,
2: What SEC school has that dude not worked at? At this point, I feel well, like I he's his gone daughter between...
1: goes here, um, okay. and I think he has roots. So I think he's pretty much set here for a while. And he's been to Tennessee twice, but like, yeah, he's I mean, been to Georgia twice, right? Uh, but the reason I Auburn, brought him up was and, just that, like, the reason that he you can like Glenn Ellery is obviously a hypo guy, the offensive line sure. coach here, and like Hypel promoted from within with Joey Halsley. He promoted from within with Alec Ablen as the new tight end coach. He brought Gaulish before he left for USF, so he's been very careful with who he's brought in and surrounded like he has his dudes um but Roddy gardner was not one of his dudes he was like hey someone i don't know who it was but like hey man uh like we're we're cool with a lot of stuff coming up like a lot of guys coming over but like the trenches still really matter so we're like we're gonna need an sec lifer here um at least on one side of the the trenches front so gardner's for sure
2: and i mean you know i think that like tennessee's getting getting better at that, yeah. you know, like they've definitely are everything's moving in the right direction. Um,
1: I mean, if they get Williams, uh, Waneri, and Cam Franklin in the next couple weeks, then we're
2: that would be yeah, like super significant, and and that's something. I mean, I think the last time I was I was on here with you, I was like, you know, I will really start kind of like watching Tennessee in a in a even more careful way uh, if they start signing five star guys on the line of scrimmage because. Mm. Let's be honest. Like there are, there's there's tall, fast, long dudes that can go outside and play wide receiver. Uh, you know, there's there's hundreds of them in every class, mm. almost at least dozens. Uh, there's just a very small handful of like elite big bodies and yeah. especially uh, tackles. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially those interior defensive linemen, man. Yeah. Like um, Jalen Carter. You know, I mean, like whatever, I feel like you can't talk about Jalen Carter right now uh, because of of everything that's going on around him off field, but, like, just talking about on the field, like, uh, you go to the Tennessee-Georgia game last year, and I think, like, the the difference between Georgia playing Tennessee versus everyone else who played Tennessee was, like, Georgia was able to uh, control Tennessee's run game with with just five and six guys in the box, and nobody else could do that. Um, And a big reason why they could do that was because – Jalen Carter was was healthy and on the field that day. They right? were seeing doubles.
1: So, it didn't matter. Like, when people were ripping Hinden, I'm like, he's been doing it. Like, I don't know what you wanted him to do. Like, you go watch the snaps, and it's like Jalen Carter's just there, like immediately, just yeah, murdering it, Spragans.
2: Well, and I mean, I think, you know, Jordan uh, was able to play coverages on the back end that, that he didn't really see much during the season except for in maybe third and long situations. But, like, he certainly wasn't seeing these types of coverages in, like, second and five or, you know, uh, third and four that that Georgia was yeah. playing because like they knew they could control the run and so you can you can vary things a lot on the back end and and you've got you know six guys on the back end and and you know sometimes you're you're even dropping seven at times in that game um, and there's all sorts of delays and and you know that that corner blitz that Georgia kept getting them with uh, with the Chavon Bullard it's like they just are able to do that, like like the scheme flexibility that Georgia gets because of their defensive linemen is is a luxury yeah. that no one else really has right now. Um, which I is know, a good point. Which Bayma also,
1: hey man, like that's a thing where like Tennessee fans, it, even if like, Georgia fans who were dunking on Tennessee for how that game went and everything else, I was like, look, they're ahead of schedule. Like number one in the country, year two is pretty bonkers at this point. Like sure. this is all fool's gold. Like I I called to a what happened last year. And I don't you know did. if I'm gonna get this year, where I was like ten and two. They're gonna split Bama and Georgia, and they're gonna lose to South Carolina. They're gonna do that dumb shit like right at the end. I didn't think they'd be in the playoff picture at that point, but it I maybe it hurt coming. a
2: lot more, didn't it?
1: You know what's funny? I still don't think this defense had the dudes to run the gum in the in the in the CFP format. Like, no, did you see but the corners that CFD, we ran out? Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, being there and having Hendon, having the type of year, it hurt me more Hendon going down. That bothered me more than the loss. Like, Hendon going down the way he did in the season kind of going that way really sucked. Like, that was more of the bummer for me.
2: I I guess my question, like, now with Tennessee. They're um, taking a
1: step back this year.
2: I mean, they kind of have to, right? Like, this question is how big of a step back is it? is it a big enough step back uh, to where like some of these guys that, that you're talking about, maybe committing in the next couple of weeks, don't stick on those commitments. You know, like that's the, that's going to be the real question. Um, but I don't
1: think commitments really shake anymore. Have you noticed that? Like in recruiting, like most guys don't really flip anymore. Like well, flipping I mean, is because going down.
2: It's cause they're, they're, <laughs> they're already, there's already money deposited. Exactly. So I'm not account,
1: really worried you know? about that. So if they have a little yeah, bit of a down, I'm not as that's,
2: worried. That's a, that's a fair point. That's definitely a fair point. Um, I mean, I think, you know, last time we talked, like I I think I said, like, uh, my... We did an exercise, if I recall Mm. correctly, where we talked about, you know, like, what is the ceiling for each SEC program? And I Mm. I think for Tennessee, I I, I put that ceiling, like, under national title level Mm. because of the offensive scheme because I do think at some point it becomes, like, a hindrance instead of an advantage. Like, right now, it's like this offense helps us paper over a really bad defense and, and it's, it's sexy and we're signing a lot of good skill players and we've got Nico coming in and, and like, and I'm very interested to see what, what Nico is going to do in that system. Cause I think it could be really disgusting um, in a good way. Yeah. But like, I also just wonder at some point, like, do you start to run into a wall with that because of what we saw Georgia, you know, like the, the type of things that we saw Georgia do to them kind of like there, there's a reason why it's, it's not being run all over. And like we saw Bryles run something very, very similar at Baylor. But the
1: run game is different when they throw out the Bryles stuff, like Tennessee runs the ball a bunch and Bryles didn't prioritize That's, it nearly as much as what Tennessee
2: I does. I would disagree with that. Okay. Bit, but I mean, like, they had, like, big pass plays, but, I mean, you know, I mean... That well, Tennessee Baylor, is called... It, I think when people say
1: Bryles and the Baylor system, and they think air raid. And I'm like, Tennessee doesn't run the air raid. Like, Tennessee No, it's, it's run- the pace. I mean, it's, yeah. it's
2: the pace and it's the wide splits. That's. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I put a lot of time into trying to understand Tennessee's offense, like, prior to the, the Georgia-Tennessee game mm. this past year because, you know, like... I I am in the uh, prediction and analysis business, and that was a that was an important one to get right. You know, like I, like my credibility is kind of hanging in the balance, right? So uh, there was a couple of weeks of watching a lot of Tennessee, and like I think that's the the kind of fascinating part about it, right? Is like that the there's not a uh, there's not coaching clinics happening where. Guys like Heiple are bringing people in and telling everybody how to do it. Like it's it's very much like if you haven't worked in that system, you're not going to be able to install it. Like there's well, I don't a think he, he's protective
1: of, of it. I think that's by yeah, design. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah,
2: yeah, totally. And I I mean I think that's that's probably smart because uh, especially the checks and the rules of that offense and how that works. Like there's some things that you can figure out on tape, but there's a lot that you can't. And uh, you know that that unpredictability is good, but. I guess what I'm saying, though, is just at some point, like, I don't know. Uh, you know, Tennessee, they they ran the ball really, really well last year. But I also don't know if if they can be quite as physical as they want to be or need to be in, like, a, a college football playoff scenario and still run some of that stuff. And And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I thought that – last year like everything kind of fell into place from them for for them from a personnel standpoint with Hooker being, you know, like a kind of like a professional, right? Like his job is football mm. and he had spent a few years with Hypol at that point or a couple I should say. Um He also just like he knew that offense. Off. Like yeah, he, he was just a hardcore offense. worker. Yeah. Totally. And that's a that's a credit to him for sure. Mm-hmm. Um and and then you have Hyatt and Tillman. Like, you got two studs on the outside. But You've what people don't remember,
1: Tillman was an afterthought. Like, Tillman broke out surprisingly in 2021. That was not right. like – he was a three-star just, like, blocker coming into that year. And
2: he developed – Did he transfer or was he – No, he's I'm, I'm thinking of Jones. I'm thinking of yeah. Jones from USC. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, like, you know, and then you have Fant. Like, I thought Fant yeah. was maybe more important to what they did Fant was awesome. Yeah. And yeah.
1: losing him and, he's and like what he was able to... He's gone. Is he not back? Yeah, Where he's an yeah, undrafted free agent. Yeah, he graduated. Oh, he's I got like a kid family. Shot. Like That man was like... He's, uh, oh, he's he out really? there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think he's with the Niners or Cowboys, I want to say. He signed as an undrafted free agent. But no, he was a Swiss Army knife. And you bring in McCallan Castles from UC Davis. And we'll see what he does in that same kind of role. Jacob Warren's back for year 19 uh here and then ethan davis is probably gonna play the colin till kid he's gonna have to and he showed out mm-hmm. a little bit um i just wonder too because of the pace with Hypol and tennessee is just that like Hypel's gonna have to with now that he has more and more dudes especially in that wide receiver room especially in that running back room like i i don't know if you are up to date on what cam selden's gonna look like but cam Seldon i think is gonna be like Cordero Patterson Alvin Kamara like star star Interesting. like he's okay he's already like in the spring game he's huge and he's already just gonna be used in the slot at the back like he's gonna be that's
2: I think very dangerous in that offense yeah. like, like that Jalen Hurd another... type of
1: Baylor that kind of yeah. like he's just gonna be a monster um I think in this, in this having offense. another
2: receiving threat yeah to deal with especially on like delayed patterns but it's something we I mean, all run
1: into. Is what I was going to get at with here, where, where I'm like, the thing about the pace is it doesn't allow you to get a lot of guys involved. So like right. when you pick your guys, it's like they picked. It was Brew McCoy, it was Ramel Keaton, and or I wouldn't. Oh yeah, because uh, Tillman was out for most of the year, so it was Ramel, Brew, and Jalen Hyatt. Almost all the snaps out wide. And when you bring in this much talent, you got Nathan Leacock, who's a Border Five, um, who's going to be a really good player. You have Caleb Webb, who sat there. You have Chaz Namron. You bring in Dante Thornton from Oregon. Like, Great. you have a lot of Yeah, he's a good player, man.
2: Yeah. He's a good player.
1: But are you going to rotate? Like, Georgia has to do that. Like, Georgia has to rotate. Georgia has to keep guys right. <laughs> happy where it's like, and you, you still
2: lose A.D. Yeah. Mitchell yeah Uh, to texas you know it's like
1: and tennessee hasn't had to deal with that because they've been low on scholarship numbers they got killed on that front with all the transfers and the year like they haven't had a full talented roster to this point like this i'm curious to see how Hypel juggles this many dudes that he's gonna have to rotate like the defensive line they'll rotate like garner does that all the time linebackers they'll rotate i'm not worried about that um, corners, they're going to play like seven, eight guys. Like, that's just what's going yeah, to happen. Yeah, they got to figure it out back yeah. there. But offense, it just hasn't worked like that. It, the running back who starts the drive finishes the drive. Their wide receivers who start the drive finish the drive. I just don't know if you're going to be able to continue to do that year every year and keep a lot of these guys happy.
2: Well, I mean, I, you know, I thought like we sort of saw, uh, you know, I don't know. It's like against Georgia, that pace did slow considerably. It didn't work for them that day, but it was interesting to me because it was like, well, okay, you know, like what – it just it just kind of put me down this thought train of like, well, what does that look like for them if they're running sort of the same system? Because, I mean, like it's still problematic even without the pace, you yeah. know. Um, like there's still things that you have to be able to do as a defense. And, and like Heipel's whole thing is like he finds the duck, right? Like, yeah. Like he finds – the the problematic matchup and uh, you know that 2021 game up there in Knoxville like first three drives I think Tennessee puts up 10 points they they drive the field pretty deep into Georgia territory two out of those three drives and they they picked on Latavius Brinney over and yeah. over who was the their kind of star uh, player for Georgia at that time the slot and Keely
1: Ringo Keely Ringo got cooked both years against Georgia or against Tennessee.
2: No, I mean he had that pick this year. That
1: was he it. Was. I'm telling you, people remind the pick, but you go back like every. He was targeted Let's nine see. times, eight receptions. It was like ten yards a catch. It he was, was
2: targeted. A, I mean, like I had a theory all year that Keelirigo yeah. wasn't a number one corner because he's like, not. One corners don't get thrown yeah. at 13 times in a game. Um, but yeah, I guess my point being, like yeah. Georgia, is so deep that, yeah you know, in that game in 2021, it was like, okay, we're going to move our starting strong safety down to slot corner and we're going to, we're going to bring in Dan Jackson, (laughs) you know, balled out actually. Um, And that kid's a walk-on. He's not even taking up a scholarship on your roster, you know? So I think that's the, the thing that Georgia has right now that uh, a lot of the teams Tennessee face faces will not, yeah. And just, you know, and probably that's not going to change anytime soon for most of them. It's just like there's so many cards in Kirby Smart's deck and uh, and he's also like smart enough to know how to use them, um, yeah. you know, and they and they will and they will sub and they they kind of know, like, I don't know. I don't want to say this. I want to say this the right way, because I feel like this is something that like gets turned into like a soundbite and, you know. Maybe comes back to bite me three years down the road or something. But, like, it feels to me like Kirby kind of has, like, Hypel's number in terms of, in terms of just, like, scheme standpoint with, with sort of what they want to do. Do like, you
1: think it's scheme or players to the, this point?
2: Well, I think, I think that's a fair point. I think it's, I think it's kind of both. I mean, like, I think Kirby understands what Hypel like, I think Kirby is good enough at self scouting to look at his defense and say, this is where, this is where this dude is going to try and exploit us, and because he's got better players, yeah, he can go ahead and kind of fill that crack. But like, I, I mean, I guess I just wonder. I
1: think Nico's the the wild card here. Where if you have the Bryce Young type, the cheat code, like that's how you like get around the that's probably yeah
2: yeah for sure absolutely. Um, he is. I also like don't know that. I mean, let's be honest, man. Like, how much? How much more is how much more can Tennessee really do on offense than what they did with Hinton Hooker? Like that system is designed to maximize a lack of talent basically. Yeah. And so like, that's, that's my big question is like, okay, now you have talent, you know, and you're still running this system that that's not really designed to be like, have this kind of talent in it. What do you tweak? What do you do to yeah. to really make sure you're taking advantage of that? And I think that's the challenge for Josh Heupel because I think if if he continues to just kind of plug along, running this this same deal in the exact same way, then uh, you know a season like last year is probably probably the ceiling with with that. I don't
1: know because like you're going to the 12 team playoff. And then when the at when uh OU and Texas come over and the division. Well, I mean, away. like,
2: you know, and they would have been in that playoff last year, but like right. do we realistically think they I were... think they would be
1: in it like because I think the floor is so high for this hypo offense at Tennessee, I okay. think you go into every year just like they have there's you can see a scenario where this offense is number three in the country and that's good enough for nine, ten wins, and if a couple things go your way then you're right there in the playoff situation again. Like I don't think you'll ever compete 1A, 1B with Georgia or even really Bama with their talent uh, year over year. But I do think you're in – I like Tennessee is in – I was thinking about it the other day where – But are uh, Tennessee
2: fans okay with that, I guess?
1: After what the last 10 years have been, I think yes, you should okay. be. And you're delusional if you're not like – Baseball is a different animal. Like Vitello has the number one recruiting class in twenty twenty four. Like they're an animal. Like the baseball machine is not going anywhere. Like totally different it.
2: sports. Yeah, yes. I mean
1: football is just like one of the things that I think Tennessee will always struggle with. And I think, and this is not a shot at Georgia, but this is something that Kirby deserves a lot of credit for. Sure. Is seeing that like Georgia is the best high school football state in the country now. Like seven A Georgia football is the best it's up and there, the best. and. He is tapped into that obviously, and it's not like they're only recruiting Georgia players. But if you look at Tennessee's class, guess where the vast majority of these guys, their prize recruit that they're like, we all hope they get, Mike Matthews, the five star out of my alma mater, Parview, like Georgia kid, <laughs> and everyone that's not going to like from the state of Georgia, those high guy, like four or five star guys, you start to right. wonder like, okay, if they're not going to Georgia, like what's what's up here? Like, why that's would Kirby long. not already? Beyond i mean that.
2: no mike matthews is a really good player no i'm not saying FAs. that with mike
1: i'm just saying in general so you always have to wonder like in general why <sighs> this superstar is not who's it local like the sammy brown's of the world like he's probably gonna end up in in georgia is my guess that um, feels that way yeah it does. Um, i mean
2: yeah i think what's scary is like now kirby's landing dylan rail out of arizona yeah. or uh I mean, well, hold there's on. a chance, About the there's a chance they signed three Matter Day kids in this class out of California, you know, the best high school out there. So it's like now they're picking out of other states too, like whatever they want. Kind Which of. is now the
1: the thing, right? Like SEC, that's where Bryce Young to Bama. Bama did this years yeah. ago. They pivoted. Tennessee goes to California to get Nico. Um, Tennessee
2: was going to California to get guys when they were, you know, yeah. at the top of the Fulmer era. era. Clawson.
1: Like,
2: Tennessee, yeah. I mean – uh, I think they I mean Arian Foster came from what? He's a California kid right? He, I
1: think so yeah
2: Yeah. I mean like there, there was a lot of good players that they got mm-hmm. from I mean Tennessee has to be a national recruiting team to well
1: they to... have to be different where it's like they have to go get Devin Hobbs in North Carolina they have to go get Cam Franklin in Mississippi they have to right. still have their base in Georgia because the thing about like me here in Knoxville is like guess what the talent's not here in the state like there's some guys the trace Smiths of the world don't pop up every year you don't have a five-star offensive tackle in the state of tennessee very often so that's the thing that gets so so many people frustrated here right now is they're not the there's gonna be a lot of three stars on this offensive line next year there's gonna be a lot i think more often than not they're betting on glenn ellerby to get the most out of this offensive line group and We'll see. Like This is one of the biggest issues I think I have going into next year. Joe Milton doesn't have the pocket presence that Hooker had. Joe Milton takes sacks. Joe Milton's not as mobile as Hooker. Joe Milton's fine sitting and waiting for guys to get open downfield. Right. If John Campbell, who's going to start at left tackle, the transfer from Miami, is bad, and then you have Gerald Mincy, who doesn't play right tackle and didn't play it at all last year, gets moved over to right because Darnell Wright, who was a top 10 pick, is gone, and you never right. had to worry about that side. If both tackle spots are suddenly question marks in the sec with joe milton i can easily tell you how this season goes off the rails very quickly and joe doesn't finish like i'm still under the impression i don't think joe makes it through the season one Why? injury prone to this point. point two okay. i think the offensive line's bad compared to last year and i think that causes all kinds of problems but, for what tennessee wants to do he doesn't i, make I mean it. there's
2: part of me that just thinks like i mean i guess it kind of goes back to the same spot we were earlier yeah it's just like I think with the system that Hypel runs, like I don't think it really matters. Honestly, like yes, like there will be plays in a game where it matters, where like, matters yeah. but like, but I mean, in terms of like the the overall output, you know, I, I think it looks pretty similar. I, I do yeah. like I, I think you know you but might like
1: Hinden, you know, like Hinden took those like Hinden with the one step drops, and Hinden was kind of. The one thing is, he wasn't really, he didn't want to improvise. Like, didn't wanted to follow the script, follow the plan, and get to where he needed to go. And it was super efficient. Right. But the difference in beating Georgia when you don't have the guys is the quarterback who's like, okay, I can't do what I yeah, normally do and Work thrive.
2: off scripts. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think Joe Milton's that dude. Either,
1: no, he's not. To be honest.
2: No. But Nico could be. Honestly.
1: Nico could be, yeah.
2: He, yeah. I mean, like, I, you know, I, all right, I'm going to really make Tennessee fans mad now. Okay. But um go for it. I, I was probably made going, a map by
1: going eight and four, like I've said eight and four is probably what's happening this year. They don't want to yeah, hear
2: that. Well, when I was going through Tennessee's tape to get ready for the Georgia Tennessee game last year, uh, you know, it was Georgia was coming off of having played Florida mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think the week before or maybe yeah, it was the week before. Um and I just watched Anthony Richardson play and like Georgia won that game by by 3 scores despite being minus 3 in turnover margin but there were some moments in that game where like Anthony Richardson like did some things you know like he dropped like a beautiful rainbow into like perfect coverage but it was still a catch cuz it was a literal perfect throw that you can't <laughs> defend and he, you know he ripped he ripped this throw to the sidelines off the near hash like past Malachi Stark's the safety who thought he was about to pick the ball off. And then, you know, Richardson just stared him down and threw it past him because he just is that strong. And then he obviously did some things with his legs at times and um, created explosive plays. And I think that was interesting because when I was going through the the Tennessee stuff, like Hooker – hooker did a really good job of following the rules of that offense. Like you were just saying, but, um, you know, you didn't really see him make like a ton of, uh, tight window throws, you know, the, the, running plays that he made all kind of happened within the rules of that offense, which is Mm. basically like, Hey, you know, you can run through the a gap or the B gap right now. And, uh, our wide receivers are 40 yards downfield. So everything's cleared out, go, you know? Um, and I, I thought to myself, like, if, if Tennessee had Anthony Richardson in this offense, that would be terrifying. That was that was my thought. Um, which well, I think I knew, An- like, and
1: the other thing, too, with Anthony and the difference is, like, and seeing I saw it up close for the Florida game is just that, like, mm-hmm. his sack rate reflected it with how low it was. He's, like, the antithesis of Malik Willis where he just could stand in the pot. Like, he was impossible to bring down. Like, he's such a big dude, and he his lower half was so strong that, like, he just kept plays alive because guys were just falling like gigantic yeah. defensive lineman could not get him down first second third time that's the reason florida was even in that game late is cuz tennessee oh. could not get him down
2: for sure and it was also just you know i, I kind of went down that avenue in my head of like okay what happens if you have to deal with Anthony Richardson as a runner and you're dealing with Tennessee's wide splits and you're playing a light box because you don't want to get beat over the top by Jalen Hyatt. Like all of a sudden, you know, it's like maybe that breaks down somewhere and you know, it's just, there's, there's gotta be something explosive that happens in there. And so the question I have is like, could that be Nico? uh, He needs to put
1: on some weight.
2: (laughs) Right. Well, no, I know. But like, just in terms of, I didn't think Hinden Hooker ever really made many plays that that most other quarterbacks wouldn't have made in the same situation. I and think I know he was that's just an, an elite decision maker,
1: though. Seasons. Like the dude did yeah, not yeah, turn yeah, the ball he over. he Was
2: but like my my point being is just like most of the big plays he made downfield were to guys that were wide open anyways. That you know most most quarterbacks are making those throws. And I hate to say this, but like Joe Milton, uh, looking as competent as he did against ten TDs, no picks Klipson. last year. Yeah, against yeah, against everybody he played yeah. is kind of more proof of that, in my personal opinion. Like I know, and there's credit that is deserved to Hyple for kind of fixing him, right? Because like yeah. he came from Michigan, I think quite broken. But I just, I don't think Henning Hooker was that. Like I thought, I thought he was really good at running what Tennessee wanted him to do, but from like a talent standpoint. Uh, I don't know that he's super overly talented. Um, so He my, definitely my isn't kinda...
1: as talented. Like, no one has been as talented as Nico. Like, you could make the case Nico is the most talented player in this class, class altogether. Like, way uh, more I, I talented would, than yeah. Arch and I everything would, else. It's just that, yeah. like, I don't know. We'll see, but it's also, I'm not worried about quarterback with Heupel. Like, <laughs> it's just something no, I'm not. No, you should And that's,
2: and that's kind of yeah. what I'm trying to get to is, like, if he doesn't break the rules of his own system somewhere... Mm-hmm. To take advantage of that talent then it doesn't really matter if you're signing three-star quarterbacks or five-star quarterbacks because we know against most teams on the schedule there's going to be dudes running wide ass open downfield Mm. and as long as you've got somebody to hit that you're going to be fine and we know against most of the schedule that the screen game and some of the things that they do with the run and some of the little kind of, like, tight end leak patterns over the middle and delayed routes help mitigate the opponent's pass rush and keeps teams from pinning their ears back. So you don't really have to have, like, you guys did have a five-star left tackle last year that, you know, was right really tackle. good. But like, yeah. I'm sorry, right tackle. Yeah. yeah, but, like, you don't have to have that every year no. to do what he's doing. And that's the beauty and also the curse, I think, is, like, mm. Like you said, like, I think the floor is always going to be way higher than it was for the the decade prior to where he got there. I just wonder at some point if he doesn't change, can he actually maximize that talent that that Tennessee's all of a sudden doing a pretty good job of acquiring?
1: Well, that uh, that's a good lead into what I you've been a good sport talking all things, Tennessee, because I want to pick your (laughs) brain primarily here to talk about Georgia and Della Raiola because Graham, I'm curious, and this is something that Matt and I have talked about on this program a lot, and it's I don't know if it's just coincidence the way it's gone, but like and I think you tweeted about this was just how good of a recruiter Bobo was and like he I, I'm like we'll get into him versus Monkin on that front, but like Dylan Raiola is obviously the most talented quarterback you've brought in since Stafford. And that's I don't think hot takey or anything. Like he there's a reason to be extremely excited about Dylan Marriola. Um That being said, I wonder too, because Bama fans had to get through this and then it was like, okay, two, it broke through and two was awesome. It's like, oh, we can actually have five-star elite quarterbacks, not from the Southeast, the four-star, three-star guys from our area who are doing good. Just I don't want to say Jake Fromm, but the Jake Fromms, the AJ McCarrens, the John Parker Wilsons, Like, you can win that way. Georgia and Alabama and LSU even for that matter have been able to win a different way than just about everybody else in college football can win. So Matt and I have had this debate where I'm like, I don't think Heupel and Tennessee are more concerned about Georgia with Dylan Ryler, a five-star quarterback because I don't think, I think it's going to be hard to see a quarterback in the next couple years here at UGA to have a better all around season than once Stetson and Monken did this past year. I'm not as concerned. I don't, see a scenario with how the best of Monken and Stet last year is going to be really hard to top with whatever Georgia throws out, whoever's under center the next couple of years. I'm not more concerned about that. I'm concerned if Tennessee is never able to stop Georgia in the trenches. Like if that never changes and Tennessee's ever able to evolve there, that's what ultimately will define this, this rivalry between the two. It's not the five-star corporate. Do you agree with that sentiment or do you think Raiola, or Tennessee unlocking these higher end, the Vandegrifts, whoever, like the five-star guys from wherever open up this thing even more mm. where like it separates them from the field more? Or do you think it it really doesn't even move the needle? Because it kind of speaks to what you're talking about with Tennessee with just it doesn't matter who's under center. If it's a five-star Nico or it's a three-star Gatsom or whoever.
2: I think oh, it's an interesting question because, like, I mean, like, I, is that
1: fair? I'm not picking on Georgia. I think that's no, like, no, no. I, yeah. It's
2: totally fair. I mean, like, I've I've had this theory for a while now that like, uh, Saban kind of gave away what made Alabama dominant when he decided to chase all the sexy offensive players. Hmm. Like, like going down that path of you know having Tua go bombs away to to Rugs and Judy and. Devontae Smith and, and all of those guys like yes it made Alabama all of a sudden a lot more fun to watch but it also created variance that wasn't there before because mm-hmm. it created more possessions in games and uh, you know like all of a sudden Alabama was willing to play uh, a you know a game in the 40s like they did against uh, Burrow and LSU in 2019 mm-hmm. whereas they never were before and I think like that, that's the philosophical crossroads that the Rayola signing, I think, creates for Kirby, and, mm. and I think that, like, he'll probably manage it better because, A, he was there when that sort of started at Bama. But, like, under Kiffin, you know, like, they still, like, it, it created a lot of friction, but, like, Saban still kept laying on a leash mm. to where it was like, no, like, Bo Scarborough is going to touch the ball 20 <laughs> times in this football game, or – I am going to like verbally assault you on national television three times a half, which, Mm. you know, would happen anyways. But uh, I guess the point I'm trying to make is I think Georgia, the identity of the program is physicality at the line of scrimmage. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it has to stay that way. But I do think like Monken was just so good at creating matchups for Georgia uh, that, like, it, it does feel like what you're saying. Like, like yeah, like, it is going to be hard to top the efficiency that Georgia showed last year because they were extremely efficient. But they weren't really an overly explosive offense. Um, I mean, they they didn't have a – I think it was – I don't think they had a reception by a receiver over 30 yards – for like an eight week stretch at one point in the mm. season. Like there was Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington and everything went through those two tight ends. Cause Arian and, Smith
1: was basically unavailable all year. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
2: I mean, he came back for that Tennessee game and had a, had a pretty significant catch, I think in that first quarter. On yeah. I enjoyed it. Post. Great. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, I guess what I'm saying is just mm. the, that Ohio state game. Right. Like yeah. um, Georgia was, it, it felt like Georgia was cooked because like, felt like, yes, like Georgia can move the ball on these guys all night, but they're not finishing drives in the red zone. And uh, that, you know, like that didn't feel like it was going to all of a sudden change late in that game. And then, you know, Aaron Smith was there to, to blow past this defender and the guy's feet get tangled. And all of a sudden you have a 75-yard quick strike touchdown that changes the math, right? Like all of a sudden mm. it's like, okay, now there's enough possessions in this football game for Georgia to actually potentially do something here, which they, they went on to do. But um, with Rayola, you're going to get a vertical passing game, or you're going to at least have the potential for a vertical passing game like you've never ever seen at Georgia, I think, or at least that you haven't seen since Stafford. Um, I am really curious to see, like, how the, the receiving – prospects work out like Georgia's in on ryan wingo who i think tennessee's also in on five stars rece- like Georgia's in on like five five-star receivers in this class yeah. and just had jeremiah smith on it seems campus. like matthews
1: is more realistic for tennessee than Wingo. i, I feel that way yeah. yeah
2: yeah yeah i think i think that's uh i think he's gonna kind of maybe go down as like the one who got away out of this 2024 class in the state of georgia um which is absolutely sick like this 2024 class in georgia is, i think y'all
1: will be okay Thank you.
2: No, I know they will, but I I guess what I'm trying to say is like, um, they'll have to figure out how to balance that, and I think that like probably the way you balance it is against the Missouris of the world and the you know the South Carolinas of the world. You go out there and you spread shit out and like you you bomb it away and you get dudes big highlight plays and you get them touchdowns and then when it comes time for the college football playoff or, you know, whatever it is, like you go back to sort of that identity of like, we're just going to, you know, we're going to Kirby death march this thing. Once we get up 10 points in the third quarter, uh, like last year's Kentucky game. Yeah. I mean, Georgia, dude, like they, they kind of did that shit on purpose. I'm sorry. Like they, they did like, it was Hmm. like one of these things of, We don't like how we've ran the ball for the last few weeks, and we're playing a team that's, you know, very physical at the line of scrimmage, and they like to run the ball. They like to, you know, beat people up on on the defensive front. They think they can stop the run. So, like, we're going to go out, and we're going to have a game like this because we think we're going to need that skill somewhere down the line. And I think that's what under mocking Georgia's M.O., has been we're gonna find out whatever your defense doesn't like to do and we're just we're gonna make you do that thing. Hmm. And that's really been the offensive identity more than anything. And as like an analyst it it was really fun to cover because I could usually sit down and watch a few games of Kentucky or Missouri or whoever and be like, there's the two or three weaknesses. And then you could write up an article to publish on Thursday or Friday and say like Hey, these are the spots where George is gonna probably go after and and even sometimes get as specific as like, yeah, like Lad McConkey's probably gonna catch, you know, like a, a touchdown out of the slot against this player. And Monkin would do it because it was just like this this ego kind of system that he ran where it was like, Well, that's effect that looks effective, so we're gonna do it. And and there was never this investment in like, oh, you know, like we run. Uh, you know, the hypo offense, or we mm-hmm. run uh the run, you know, the run and shoot like Spurrier or whatever. It's like, no, no, no. Like we run whatever's going to work today. And I think that as long as Georgia keeps doing that, they'll be fine. But I do think that Rayola is talented enough to where there is going to be a couple more things every Saturday that work than they did before. Just because like Stetson had a very good 2021, or I'm sorry, 2022, but like Georgia really struggled for a large part of the season with its, with its deep passing game. Like they, mm. they were good at hitting, you know,
1: was that a personnel thing though, or just I think so. I think, yeah. I,
2: I mean, I think partially personnel, I think that, uh, you know, there was like a weird stretch there where Lad McConkey had a case of like the yips and like dropped mm. Wide open touchdown passes. Uh, you know, like the, the Georgia Florida game. I mean, you know, like if Bowers doesn't go off in that game, it's probably very different. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think it'll be. Well, let
1: me ask you this about Rayola. Mm-hmm. Rayola. It's not Rayola. It's Rye Bread. Ryola. Uh, yeah, that's We got to learn these names because we got Rayola down there in Athens and you got Nico. What's your. Yeah, I'm I am Alieva. Alieva. Ooh. Not right, but you're getting closer. What? Ia, Maliava. Maliava. Ia Yeah, Ia Maliava.
2: I thought it was Nico Maleva. Uh,
1: no, no I. Wow, no, sorry oh, See, that's man. the rye bread. You got ryeola on the brain. That's
2: not good. <laughs>
1: um, it's easy though, because Nico is a fun name to chant, and it's just gonna—it's gonna be like Tua. It's just Nico and Tua uh
2: that's that's like, exactly right yeah it's yeah. just gonna be nico but my favorite I, yeah my favorite uh my favorite college football thing i think maybe like message board wise of the last like five years was the the dude the poster on the alabama message board that asked if uh if 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 Tua and the coaching staff were struggling with the language barrier <laughs> i remember that in practices or whatever yeah <laughs> that was great um I'm sorry. Okay, real quick. So, like, Stetson Bennett last year mm-hmm. on throws of 20-plus yards, mm. uh, 68 attempts, only 41% completion, mm. which isn't that bad. I think it's still higher than Hinton Hooker. Uh, but eight necessary. touchdowns, six <laughs> interceptions. Um, so, I mean, you know, like eight touchdowns, six picks, not that great. But uh, everywhere else on the field, he had 19 touchdowns in one pick. Mm-hmm. But, I'm sorry. Well,
1: here's the thing, though, too. We haven't seen Kirby play a five-star quarterback to this point. (laughs) It hasn't happened. It doesn't mean it won't happen. And I wonder, is the temperature in the room, now that you have Brock, five-star there, and then you have the four-star Gunner, who... By all accounts, seems like he's the closest one to Bobo. Like, you have Brock Vandegrift out here on the Aaron Murray podcast just trying to get a fishing trip with my man, Bobo, and it hasn't uh-huh. happened at this point. Where I'm like, I, the thing well, about Gunner's, the Georgia,
2: Gunner's high school, like, his like private quarterback coach was George Bobo. Yeah. So, Bobo's here's
1: what I'm going to say, and you can say if I'm wrong here. I think Gunner uh-huh. is the one who replaces Carson Beck after this year. And then Ooh. I think you get at least two years of Gunner. And then Raiola's gone. I no. don't think Raiola plays a down. I don't think he starts an important Georgia game no. ever. I think Nico's going to be forced into it. I don't – I just don't see it. I don't see the path. I think Gunner, it's going to be a look, Gunner man, situation.
2: It's not. It's not. Do you, you not want it to be it. Gunner or is no, it – No, it's just not going to – like it's. He might be able to hold Raiola off for a year because of – how well schooled he is in the offense. Yeah. But he's just not talented enough to hold him off.
1: But you know that that's not enough. Like Kirby will do it. Kirby will play like Stetson wasn't the most talented guy.
2: Yes, he was though. He was not more
1: talented than Justin Fields,
2: but Justin Fields didn't know the offense. Yeah. Like Justin Fields wasn't ready. And that's the, that's the problem is the 2018 Georgia offense until 2022 was the best offense that George's had under Kirby Smart yeah. by every statistical measure. So what did he do wrong for that football team? Nothing, mm. really. Like in fields, you know, I mean I I always thought like the way they used fields got way too predictable mm. and that was a Jim Chaney issue in my personal opinion. Which I mean, hey, you you guys know. I mean, no, that was about. a lot of fun. I don't know if you watched that Jim last Chaney year, Jared issues. Garantano, the yeah. COVID year.
1: It was a, that was a blast. Had a yeah, great time.
2: Totally. So I mean, I I think that like it's it's a little bit of a different animal. I mean, I think Kirby too. He has matured in a way as a head coach to where he used to just treat quarterback like every other position on the field, where it's like. Mm whoever's best in practice and, you know, like that kind of thing. And I think he sees a little bit bigger picture now, but, uh, Vandergriff, I, I thought that he might transfer this spring and obviously he didn't. Right. Like he, do you uh, think it was
1: you know. the sec thing where you have to sit, uh, you can't go to the sec because uh, like, yeah, if I mean, super I know early. that he like,
2: yeah, I, th- I, and I, I think that maybe like, honestly, I, I think, he wasn't entirely aware of that until after spring practice ended, and I think oh. like, he started. I think he started like assessing his options a little bit and realized that he couldn't transfer within the SEC, and yeah. so he was like, "Well, okay, like I'll just like wait. the fact that
1: he's not the Auburn starting quarterback this fall feels like a whole match or Florida, like, even Florida. Yeah. yeah, I guess I would just trust Hugh Freeze more at this point uh, with my offensive career uh, with his track record over the last sure. of years.
2: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Florida, I think, I mean, I think he'd start yeah. at like half The SEC programs right now But I also, maybe yeah. not that many But a few, I, I don't know I just think that Brock What Georgia wants Honestly is mm. uh, Like Brock's got the big arm and, and he can do some Things with his legs and you know he's almost Like kind of like I don't know, diet Nico In a way <laughs> um,
1: He also seems like a Georgia fan which is the reason, I, mean, he, uh, I think, a big part he, of this, too. He grew up there. Yeah, like, so I think he's just he grew like.
2: Up in the area. And I think that's yeah. why you've
1: been able to keep these guys. When everyone's like, why is Georgia the only one who's able to keep all these tra- these quarterbacks happy? But and...
2: The problem, honestly, man, is like, I'll just be, you know, um, I feel like at this point it's okay to say this. Like, mm. Carson Beck wanted a transfer. Mm. Nobody wanted Carson Beck at that time. Mm. Like, two years ago, you know? Yeah. And then, like, he came out this year in, in his appearances this past season, and he looked very different than the guy who threw a pick six against UAB in 2021 and stood there and stared and watched the the defender run it back without ever leaving his spot. you know. And those are the little things that he would do that like I think drove the staff nuts. And then the light sort of clicked on for him, and I think he matured a lot, and now he's in a spot where he's got a chance to, to go and – do big things, but I, is that where your
1: gut is? Do you think he makes it through? Do you think he's the quarterback all year long and is the guy? Man,
2: I go back and forth on this all the time. Um, as how of about today, this? Yes. What you
1: think is going to happen, and what you would actually prefer the quarterback situation to unfold?
2: Uh, what I think is going to happen is that is that he actually, yeah, that he's the dude. Okay, I think I think he's going to do it. Um, I think like. What I've heard over the last couple months has made me feel that way. And I was okay. I did not feel that way going into spring practice. Um, okay. Going into spring practice, I was like, this thing, like I would have bet at that time that Carson Beck starts the first game of the year and that, you know, someone else takes over. They but, do
1: the Michigan thing from yeah. last year where JJ starts one game and K right, starts the exactly. next to figure it out.
2: Yeah, totally. Mm. I, I mean, like, you know, with their schedule, they – could have, they could they still could do that. Do something like that, yeah. But, um, I think that Gunner is a very good player. He's, you know, I mean, like since he showed up on campus, it was like this dude is, you know, one of if not the most like tape watching guys on the team, right? Like mm-hmm. he's, you know, he does all of those like little quarterback things that make coaches feel safe playing a quarterback. Um because it's not the same as every other position. Mm. I just don't think he's talented enough to hold off a, not just Ryola, but you got Puglisi coming in as well in this, in this 2024 class. And like that kid is, you know, he's a little more raw than Ryola is, but like that kid is toolsy as hell and Mm. he's big and he's got a big arm. And, um, you know, he's got kind of the right attitude, and like I've said to some people, there's this thing that's going on where Raiola is committed, and like all of a sudden, like he's got that juice that we rarely see, where everybody mm. wants to play with him. Um, you know, even like guys that can play anywhere else, like like you know, he might assemble a couple or a few you know, five star targets. Uh, do you think
1: Riddell his... ends up at Georgia? Cause it seems like it's down yeah. to, it's down to Tennessee and Georgia. Yeah. yeah so, I think he's going
2: to, he's, he's going to end up at Georgia.
1: How confident are you though?
2: Uh, nine out of 10. Really? Yeah. Cause after, especially after this weekend,
1: seems like there is some, yeah, I think he's going to be back on camp. Is he might, is he back? He's still here got for more. He, Day he's weekend? got, is he he's be here got no
2: V's to take. Yeah. Yeah. He's still, he still has to go to Knoxville again.
1: But, mm. Um, Quicker I mean, I, I, I thought
2: there was a chance he would, he would actually go public with a commitment this weekend to Georgia.
1: Ooh. Interesting. Um,
2: yeah. Well, so, we'll I mean, I, hey, it's recruiting. I've been wrong before, right? But, I mean,
1: that's the whole realize. thing. It's like, you just want to be in those battles. It's nice to be in those battles again. Absolutely.
2: And, yeah. 100%. Um, I, I'm sorry. I think, though, with uh, yeah. with with all of this, there is, like, a universe where Ryola recruits Riddell and... Mm. Uh, Ryan Wingo or Jeremiah Smith or uh, or Cam Coleman or, you know, insert five-star receiver slash tight end and then Ryan Puglisi ends up being the one that, you know, wins, like, two national titles thrown to him. <laughs> you know, like, it, it would it, it's not outside the realm of possibility at all.
1: I don't know. I don't even know. Like, that's what I'm most curious about, I guess, with the playoff is, like, which teams suffer. And I think George is actually a big loser with the 12-team playoff. Um, so... I and Jordan fans, I like in my personal life push back, and I'm like, I just the past gonna be this is it. Like y'all need to get the three paid in, and then you're just like looking at an SEC gauntlet. You'll probably be in the SEC title most years, and then you might have to play like a, I don't know, a, a Penn State, Michigan, Texas, or something triumph Like they're just it's a lot of variables, and I'm not saying like the yeah it's, no, scary. I
2: think very vari- variables is the right word. Like, yeah, it's it's not a seven game series. No. And now you know we've rearranged this sport to uh, de-emphasize the regular season and and emphasize uh, the entertainment value of a postseason tournament that will not.
1: It's just going to be who's always healthiest. Always reflects. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. There's all of that stuff, dude. And it's like it, it's not. I mean, I think college football has been better than probably any sport at. You know, you never really have gotten to the end of a season and been like, the team that won the national championship did, did, wasn't really the best team. Yeah, you know? that's going
1: like, to happen in the 12-team playoff.
2: Yeah, you don't have, like, a, a wild card uh, yeah. New York Giants running through and beating the 18-0 and Patriots mm. or something.
1: Why but. don't you think that will happen? Because I think they'll, like, the Minnesota, if they get in as, like, a 10, 11-1 special year, like, they could be a high seed, but they're getting... I don't think they'll be able to run the gauntlet. But what I do think happens is, like, the third-best team in the SEC or the third-best in the Big Ten win. And yeah. like that's where it goes. Oh, so they were kind of sneak they were just they were okay all year long and then they got healthy at the end and they had the town, they were in the blue chip ratio and they got hot and that was it. And they were Yeah, the or like
2: time. a or you know, I mean there could be a time where a Georgia, you know, uh they start the year with the wrong guy, maybe mm. a quarterback, and halfway through they switch it and they get hot. You know I mean like twenty twenty yeah. Georgia, um that team towards the end of the year, like, started playing totally different than they had for the first half. Like, their offense actually just really came alive, and then it was mm. like, oh, you know, like, uh, I don't know. So, I mean, that that's a whole other conversation about whether or not that's a good or bad thing. But um, you're right. I do think, like, Georgia with – I mean, they're the best program in college football right now, so why would you want to change the status quo? You, you wouldn't.
1: Um couple of quick things here. How is Bobo different than Monkin on the campaign trail?
2: The recruiting trail?
1: Yeah. Or oh, I uh, said campaign trail. Wow. No. Uh, recruiting you're good. trail,
2: yeah. We should start calling it that, shouldn't we? I mean you're basically
1: um, campaigning in a way. You're campaigning for the program. You like are. you're Yeah.
2: I mean Bobo is uh I mean Monkin I think is a guy who like everyone respected his football mind. Yeah. You know, coming in and being like, uh I I you know, I was a, a dude in the NFL wins itself. Like I can go back to the NFL when I want to go back to the yeah. NFL. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like there's, there's credibility with all of that. But I think that Bobo, Bobo loves to recruit. Yeah. Todd Monken did not love to recruit. Uh, Bobo knows how to recruit Todd Monken, little prickly as mm. a person, um, you know, like just not a great living room guy. Uh, He's a great board guy, you know. Like he's yeah. a great like let's let's talk about Dan you
1: know. Mullen vibes a little bit.
2: Um, some of that probably yeah, that's probably a fair fair thing to say. Like he's just I think I would say more like Spurrier vibes. Hmm. Like like I know so much about how to scheme up this offense, and I've got so many good recruiters around me that are gonna take you know they're gonna bring in studs anyways that like. I really don't need to worry about this shit. Like, you know, and I mean, to his credit, it's like he took the two star walk on and won back to back national titles. So maybe he was right, but, but like in the Riolà recruitment, um, it, it definitely like moved Georgia way up in, in his process when Mocken left and Bobo replaced him Hmm. because like there was this, relationship there with Bobo that was not there with Monkin. and the family loved Bobo and it's not that they disliked Monkin, but they didn't love him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, so I think that, yeah, I mean, it's, it is interesting. Um, cause I mean, Georgia's recruited well, obviously, uh, under Kirby, they're always going to recruit well, but like, I think the level of offensive recruiting is probably going to, go to a place that, that it hasn't ever really been under Kirby because this is the first time you're going to have an OC who really is a recruiter. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jim Chaney was not a recruiter either. Um, he didn't really like pull his weight, so to speak uh, with, with the recruiting trail. So I think Bobo is likable. He's got all these relationships in state and, and other, you know, other places as well. Um, yeah. It's, it's going to be a, I just
1: wonder, change. though, does do they take a step back? Like, does Bobo... Like, one of the things you talked about, and I think it was really well put, it's like, it's not even just, like, even if you have the Georgia offense, which is, like, what everyone's saying, right? Like, the Georgia offense is going to be what it is. But someone's still, at the end of the day, in tight moments and important plays, like yeah. against Ohio State against whoever, like, that's when it comes out. Like, you can say you have this game, you have this offense, but, like, is he going to press the same buttons? Is he going to be that same guy? And, I mean, I think it's just going to be so fascinating to me because I don't know what to do with this quarterback room. I don't know what to do like with uh, Bobo uh, because there is the Auburn year. There is the South Carolina year. There is the end of Colorado state. There is the decade in between. Like, I think it's all fair to be like, he at least has to prove it. Like this is going to be firing on all cylinders and he can jump right back into it and just be an elite uh, offensive play caller in this league all over again. Like he can obviously do it. He recruits well enough to do it. But it's, it's going to be curious to see if he presses those right buttons. But it kind of goes back to a, to bring it all full circle. Monk and I think you can make the case, was the best play caller in college football last year. I think oh, you yeah. can make the case. Like So I don't think there's anywhere to go but down. And I don't think that's the fault of Georgia or Kirby. Is that like, what are you going to do? You lost maybe the be- like There was outside of, like I guess, Dan Mullen, um, who I still think is an awesome off- offensive mind. And I think oh, it's kind of a waste that he's not coaching in the it sport is. right now.
2: It is. It is. It really
1: is. So, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm curious. Like, there could be... I think... It's something like it could be. I think it's going to be worse. I don't think that means it won't be, like, one of the 10 best, potentially. I think it will. I think it's a huge failure with the amount of talent here that if you're not a top 10 offense in scoring and something went really wrong this year for Georgia. But, like, right. does it matter more against LSU in the SEC title game? Does it matter more against... Ohio State or Michigan and uh, the CFP or USC, whoever. Like, that's when I think we'll see. I don't think we'll have an answer on Bobo for like four months after the regular season I, starts.
2: I, yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, like, I agree with all that, and I think, I mean, I don't necessarily agree that like you're gonna have like this big backslide because.
1: And I'm not I saying think, big backslide, but it's just it, enough. There, well, there has to be a I'm backslide to of some is, kind, right? Like it has to be a backslide of some
2: as, kind. I, the, the problem with that theory is just like Mockin was really good, yeah, but like he was, he was kind of. There was a little smoke and mirrors involved with what Georgia did last year. Mm. and like it, it all had to do with Darnell Washington and just the the giant matchup problem that he was i'm not going to miss him and then having just like Brock Bowers exist you know um their offensive line might be a little better this mm. year than it was last year and then you still have Brock Bowers uh remember the name Lawson Lucky cuz that kid's That's a, not a real name it is yeah. that's not a real name that's a yeah. madman character he's lost also and lucky uh, yeah and his his dad is one of uh three triplets the lucky triplets that played what position for Georgia. does he play he's he's a tight end he's a true okay. freshman but like he like went off in spring practice went off on could GBA. he
1: be ahead of delp yeah i oh. think he will
2: i mean like huh. delp's gonna get his run what's
1: with the alliteration tight end success brock bowers loss and lucky what is what what's uh, going on man. there
2: We'll see, man. But like he's already I think a better inline blocker <laughs> than Delp is, but like he's got
1: Is he Darnell size got, wise? Are they close?
2: He's he's not he's not six seven, no. I mean nobody's Darnell size wise, right? But I mean like he's he's like six five and let's see what he is. Hold on. That's a good question. He's a big boy, dude. I, I was down on the uh I was down on the Oh he's a Norcross kid. Yeah, he's from Georgia.
1: Hmm.
2: Um he was down I was down on the field before G Day. His twenty four seven sports profile says six three. I don't believe that. I think he's closer to like six four and a half, maybe six five. Like he's big, dude, but like he is mm. chiseled. Like um Yeah, so he's he's dirty. He's gonna be good. And like I think that you're still gonna see Georgia run a lot of thirteen personnel and I'm sorry, 12 personnel, like a lot of these two tight end sets, they're still going to mm. be able to do a lot of those things. But now they've got Dominic Lovett, and they've got like the, the receiving core that Georgia will have this year is is something that we've never seen them with. And I think like that is why it might not matter because those matchups that really – like Stetson had to be really good at times last year. Like there was mm. some times – uh, Where, you know, it's like he had to get to third and four three to find somebody open. Yeah. And I think Carson Beck is just going to be, you know, first read, second read, balls out m- most of the time.
1: Well, someone's going to get hurt by this, right? Like, someone's going to fall, like, because it's a deeper wide receiver room. So not everyone's going to throw. I am curious because, like, Aeneas Smith looks healthy, right? Like, he, or not Aeneas Smith, Arian, yeah. Arian Smith. Aeneas is in, uh, him, uh, yeah, He's but colored uh
2: you're right i mean arian's healthy if arian's uh,
1: healthy i feel like lad's a loser by coming back is that I, and then they killed his draft stock in that ohio state game where they talked about it on air where it's like his what this is like his knees or he had like 60 year old knees or something yeah, he's got where the I'm knees like, of
2: a 50 year old man oh my god
1: them.
2: i i was like that's it
1: like that's not great you don't want to hear that on the broadcast so what do they know right. um
2: no, but, well, he had knee surgery. Like he, he had. Like but he's not going to start step.
1: next year, right? No, he'll start, dude. So who's I mean, like, like with, with Dominic Lovett, who I assume is going to start in the slot? Is he not? Right. Yeah. So and then you have out wide, rah rah.
2: Well, probably you have rah, and then, rah. you might have Dylan Bell out wide, okay, more often than not. But you don't and have then, Smith starting then. Arian is not a guy that's ever going to play forty snaps in a game. Okay. Because of his injury history. I mean, like, if they could get him to 25 a game, that would be, I think, a win. Do you think that
1: might be Ladd, though? Is he someone who plays less snaps next year?
2: Well, I mean, Ladd's been your Z receiver, like your other outside receiver for a long time. But, I mean, I don't think it's bad if he plays less snaps.
1: Um, Well, I was just saying, like, I wonder what's different. Like, I wonder who breaks out, who fades. Because it's just the mound of these. Dylan Bell's
2: going to be that that dude that you, you know, like – all the like NFL scouts that came to Georgia for pro days to watch like mm. Stetson throw and stuff, they were like, "Who is that guy?" <laughs> you know, because um, he's built like a running back, mm. but he's like six three, and his lower half is like super twitchy, and he's got good ball skills. Um, you're right though, like there's only one football, and mm. I think, I mean, Georgia's had a pattern, right? Like they had Jermaine Burton transfer out after the 2021 title. They had A.D. Mitchell transfer out after the 2022 title, and they'll probably have someone that was a former, you know,
1: receiver.
2: I oh, mean, I hope not. Roseby had a really good spring practice. Um, you know, he where broke does he his fit? leg.
1: Like, where does he fit?
2: I mean, I, he's probably your number two at X. <sighs> I don't know. How I, yeah, many snaps I, is that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Is it enough to keep him happy? Can he do more somewhere else?
2: I don't know. I mean, it's, he didn't leave this year. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people that thought he might leave after this this last season. But um, the thing about Georgia that, it, you know, like for Roseme, the good news is that they're not going to run anybody out there that is not like physically uh, – They don't. it's not even really about their physical size. That, that isn't a very skilled perimeter blocker. Because if, if you really mm-hmm. want to know the secret to everything that Georgia's done on offense the last 24 months, it's that. It mm-hmm. is that their receivers block – on the perimeter and downfield, better than anybody in college football, and that is why when Brock Bowers catches a little pass over the middle, all of a sudden he finds himself in a shitload of green space, and that is why Ladd McConkey is busting seventy-five yard end-around touchdown runs on Mississippi State. Um, it's it's because those guys on the perimeter. So, like Ra Ra and Love it are there, but they gotta fall in line and do that, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know I think that like. It, I think maybe the best example of kind of what's different about Georgia is that both those guys showed up on campus and really struggled for the first couple of weeks of spring practice because they were not used to just the, you know, the, the high level of expectations that come with every rep and uh, you know, some of the, the details when it comes to, to how physical they want them to be uh, blocking. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see if they get that figured out in time for, the first week of September, but yeah, Georgia transferring to Georgia's risky, dude. It really is because like, mm. you know, it's just, they, the way they practice and condition and all of that, it's hard. And it's, it's a little bit different than, than what most teams are doing because they have so much depth. They can, they can do a lot more in practice than a lot of schools can. They can, they can go full pads and be physical for a lot more reps in a week than, than most programs. and, all of that adds up, and it's exhausting. And then, like, you know, uh, Taiki Smith was a was an All-American at West Virginia, and he showed up at Georgia, and, and he struggled. And then he got hurt, and then he, you know, struggled some more. And now he's, like, finally maybe ready to break out after, like, two and a half years in the program. So, I, you know, I, I'm very interested to see if this – pays off for, for Lovett and Thomas. I, I feel yeah. pretty confident it will for Lovett, but you know Thomas had, had a, a behavioral issue when he got on campus that kind of put him in the doghouse already. I mean, he did not play in the spring game. Kirby said he's got stuff he needs to take care of before they're putting him on the field. And so, like, yeah, we'll see.
1: Last thing quick, and we'll wrap up here, Graham. Do you think this 2024 class for Georgia will end up being the best – Class in college history.
2: Uh, yeah, probably. Mm. Just because, like, like by ratings wise, I think it will anyways. But uh, unlike that twenty twenty two A and M class, like you're not gonna have a bunch of like character concerned kids in there that also happen to be highly rated. Like, I, th- I think like if Georgia's signing a five star dude, then he's probably going to produce like, and they're probably going to be able to keep him in the program nine times out of 10, or maybe more than that. Um, so
1: it's fair. Um, there you go. Graham, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at dog central this week?
2: Yeah. Uh, check us out. DogCentral.com. Um, got a lot of good written content coming down the pipe. Uh, one of our writers is, uh, doing, kind of some SEC preview stuff with a lot of advanced statistics and player data. So uh, Tennessee fans, you know, you guys are in the SEC as well. Mm-hmm. You can still come. You can still hate read dot com if you want. Um, fair and balanced as we are. And yeah. then uh, I
1: would hope so. Friend of the pod. Yeah, you got to you know, keep it. fair and balanced.
2: Tons of recruiting. Obviously this is, you know, as, as Dan Mellon would say, this is recruiting season right now. Mm-hmm. Uh so so we're in recruiting season mode and uh you because yeah, a lot of this
1: will be done early by August. Like it's just like most of this is done, uh pretty June, soon.
2: June is like the time where most of these kids commit now really. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. A lot of it's gonna be done I think uh, you know, over the next few weeks. And then um so yeah, in that vein, uh, we we do have a video interview up with uh, Dylan Raiola, uh, that it mm. was done on Saturday right now at the workout he organized with a bunch of blue-chip prospects. So lots of lots of fun stuff. And we're doing a countdown of the uh, 23 most important people in the Georgia football program as they uh, prepare to pursue a three-peat in 2023, uh, which I think I've got number 12 coming up this week. So come, come and see who that is. There you
1: go. Graham Coffee, thank you as always, my friend, and uh, I'll talk to you again pleasure. soon.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having
0: me on. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.